0: Welcome to yet another episode of They Must Be Destroyed On Sight, a movie podcast, and I'm your host, Lee Russell, joined by my co-host, Daniel Harper. Uh, Later on, you'll hear uh, me joined by Paul as well. We had to do it on separate nights because of scheduling conflicts, but uh, until then, Dan, how are you doing tonight, sir?
1: Doing pretty well. Just finished watching Contamination,
0: Mm -hmm. so uh, hopefully I should be able to
1: remember a couple of plot details because, you know, I just finished watching the movie. And uh, drinking a beer and just uh,
0: staying positive, you know. Great, great. Uh, what are you What are you drinking tonight?
1: This is a Founder Centennial IPA
0: because it's basically
1: my go to beer right now. Because twelve packs of cans are like sixteen or seventeen dollars most places, and uh, it's a delicious seven percent IPA.
0: Nice. I'm drinking as well. I'm finishing off uh, my bottle of Lafroig uh, Car Chess or Car Chase, Ooh. however the fuck you want to pronounce it. And at this point it's been sort of sitting in my room now for a few months and it's just straight up leathery goodness. No no complexity at all, but it's a good <laughs> it's a good taste now, but you know, whatever.
1: So basically you get the same effect from sucking out a piece of leather that had been dipped in ethanol. Like
0: yeah, pretty so, much. Uh, yeah. Um, I actually actually added water to it just so it'd bring out a little bit of sweetness in it, just just as a little change up, but
1: <laughs> fair
0: enough, fair yeah. enough. So, uh, we're on I guess This would be part five of our uh, Italian sort of horror director's series, um, or just Italian horror series altogether. We'll probably pick it up again in the coming months after October's over with. Uh, We're changing it up for the last two episodes of the series, uh, where where we're going to have two directors, one movie from each director... And this week we're going to be doing uh, Luigi Cozy and Bruno Mate, and we'll get into that eventually. But first, we have no comments, so we don't have to go into any of that stuff. Greg actually uh, <laughs> failed us this week. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm so used. To, I looked at the I looked at last week's episode just to be like, oh, I'm sure I'll at least I should read Greg's comment and see what he had to say about, about me. And then uh, there was no comment, and I just went, oh, well, all right yeah. then, fine. Greg, you're you're failing us here.
0: Yeah, I'm just Come putting on. it out here. I'm just putting it out here, Greg. You're a total piece of shit. i I mean, just...
1: really, really. After I was like, we should just have him on the show, you know, like he comments so often, and then you know he he failed us miserably. So, maybe yeah.
0: maybe his lack of uh of a comment is like people who don't vote as a protest vote. You
1: know, <laughs> right. You know, he what's hated what's it so on. much. He hated that episode so much. He just decided, you know, screw you guys. I'm not even mm. commenting.
0: Uh, but no, um, we love you, Greg. Hope you uh, comment at least on this episode and other episodes as well. Give us something to talk about. Um, and, and
1: other people besides Greg can yeah. also comment. We do, uh, we do also appreciate that,
0: you know. Yeah, we do encourage other people. Greg's not the privileged commenter on here. If you want to put comments, we will read them, believe it or not. It will happen. But yeah, uh, so I think we'll just jump into what we've watched this week, and uh, I'll let you go first there, Dan, because I actually have quite a few I, I have to mention, and I know you said you just had one that you watched this week, so... Uh,
1: Go ahead. Yeah, well, um, I I had a really just one I really wanted to talk about. Um, We've been having, I think last week, I kind of came across in my voice. I've been having kind of a bad few weeks going on Mm -hmm. in my life, personal life. And, uh, you know, my wife is kind of the same way. We're just kind of in a funk because of some personal stuff I don't really want to talk about. But um, what my wife tends to do when she's in that mood is just put on shitty movies. Um, (laughs) And so... She was in a bad mood and put on, like, the first romantic comedy she could find on Netflix and put on uh, Serendipity, Um, if you remember. uh, Uh, Oh, I know that. Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack, and uh, so I got to watch uh, most of that kind of idly while I was, you know, on my phone or whatever, Uh, which Kate Beckinsale is adorable and and, – It's kind of a fun little um, making sure that the two leads are never in the same room. I mean, it's pretty clever in the way it's constructed in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's basically just a dumb romantic comedy. And then, you know how Netflix, so you're watching something on Netflix, you watch through one movie, and if you're not, like, paying attention, it just starts playing, like, another movie that's sort of similar to the one you just watched. And so the one after that was America's Sweethearts, which was the one where John Cusack and Catherine Zeta-Jones are a kind of on-screen couple. And they've been in a bunch of movies together. Mm -hmm. Julia Roberts is the sister of Catherine Zeta-Jones. And it turns out that Julia Roberts and John Cusack have fallen in love and so that's the movie. I just told you the entire plot of the movie.
0: Oh, uh, Billy Crystal
1: said it, and he's hilarious. Um, he, I mean, I'll watch anything. I've proven that on this podcast many times. I watched Oasis of uh, the Zombies for you, asshole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I
0: about America's Sweethearts.
1: Once you start watching these, you kind of realize that like the, the formulate plot is the point, and the, the, the really the, the point of watching them is for the like, kind of clever little bits to get shoved in. You know, Aside from that, I mean, they are kind of like empty junk food come mm-hmm. um, comfort food kind of stuff for films. So there is some, sort of that aspect. I kind of enjoyed it on that level. And of course, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Julia Roberts are both beautiful women. And, you know, Billy Crystal yeah. was funny and Stanley Tucci's in it. And he's kind of doing this like crazy Hollywood producer guy. I say all that really just to say like, well, now that I've seen those, I really need to like get the taste of the taste of the like shitty romantic comedy out of my mouth. And so I watched Punch Drunk Love, which I think is uh, probably the single greatest or one of the greatest movie romances of all time. Because it is uh, basically the story of, I mean, this is Paul Thomas Anderson's follow-up to Magnolia from 2002. It's the uh, the Adam Sandler, Paul Thomas Anderson Mm -hmm. movie. And that's kind of how people remember it. I think that, like, as I've gotten older, this movie came out when I was 22 and I'm 35 now. And seeing it now, and with kind of more experience in life and with people, and you really get the sense that these are two people who are. um, I think at the time I kind of thought they're just kind of emotionally damaged, but the more I get to it, the more I'm like, this is kind of a story about two people with uh, ASD, Autistic Spectrum Disorder, and it's kind of a story about people who just don't get interpersonal cues and um, kind of find each other and kind of fall for each other. I mean, there are. Definite issues uh, with the film that I could that I could bring up, but it's such a uh, a wonderful portrait. Once you view it through that lens, it really does just everything just kind of clicks. The the score and the um, both the uh, he needs me song and the uh, the score by John Bryan are phenomenal, and uh, it's on Netflix. And if you haven't seen it in a while, it's probably worth a revisit at some point. Um, hmm. it's, it's a phenomenal film.
0: Yeah, because I've, I've never seen it, but I've always just basically seen people say this is the good Adam Sandler movie, <laughs> and. I'm not a big fan of Adam Sandler to start with, so I'm like, sure. I don't even want to watch I'm, a good movie. By him.
1: <laughs> that, that's fair. I mean, um, it's really... I mean, Adam Sandler brings his Adam Sandler thing to it. Um, mm-hmm. He definitely is not playing the standard Adam Sandler man-child. The, the, the performance is more complex than that. I think it's also like Paul Thomas Anderson knew what Adam Sandler did. He 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 kind of... He said that when he was going through bad times, he would put on bad Adam Sandler movies because they just kind of made him happy. Um, I mean, in the same way that, you know, like if you're going through a bad time, you put on like a shitty movie and it's like, okay, there there we go. And he said that's where he kind of discovered Adam Sandler. And I think Paul Thomas Anderson is very aware of both the strengths and the weaknesses of Adam Sandler as as a performer and kind of wrote to those strengths and kind of built this weird character that would like fit sandler's performance style um i think it would be an interesting movie to discuss on this podcast at some point because you never watch any of these kinds of movies and are you know romantic movies romantic comedies and this is definitely not like a traditional romantic comedy i mean it's really is a story about this very damaged man in a lot of ways
0: yeah well Um, let's uh let's plan for that because november is going to be sort of a grab bag month anyway i mean uh i'm sort of thinking that it's going to be we're going to do the mel brooks episode sometime in november Zardos sometime in november i can't wait
1: for that one this is going to be fun so
0: so why not why not throw punch drunk club into it as well you say it's on netflix fuck yeah we'll do it it is
1: everything except for heart eight that paul thomas anderson has ever done is now on netflix so yeah, cool. um, as of as of yesterday, when I was looking through Netflix listings, so yeah, we should definitely do that. I mean, I'd be down for I'd be down for doing anything. Paul Thomas Anderson, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. So, you
0: know. well, there you go. There's your preview for November. There's going to be only maybe one episode of Paul on it because I don't think he's going <laughs> to watch Punch Drunk Love. Or he's uh... not. No, no,
1: he <laughs> wouldn't even watch the sex comedy series. He was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah. that shit." Nobody bleeds in these movies. I'm not going to watch it. That That's pretty much you what know. if, yeah. if, there's, if there's not a squib somewhere, I'm not interested.
0: All right, right on. I got a few things to mention. I'll try to be brief about them. But uh, uh, I watched a movie uh, the other day called The Final Girls, which just came out this year. It's a uh, sort of a um, Pleasantville take on the slasher film. It's where these friends get... Uh, Basically, caught in a in an actual slasher film, like they they go through the uh, big screen in the theater and uh, end up getting sucked into a slasher film that keeps uh, repeating. Like they can't leave it; they can't leave the actual scene sequence in the film. Uh, The main character is the daughter of one of the characters who gets killed in the slasher film. Her mother previously died a few years ago in in a car crash, and there's just like really interesting sort of uh, character moments between the two characters because it's like it's her mother, but it's not her mother. And uh, there's actually a lot of really good deep stuff in it. It it essentially like kind of deconstructs the horror movie like a uh, cabin in the woods did and tucker and dale versus evil did but it does it a lot smarter and it's just a lot more entertaining and interesting than both of those films honestly so it's one really uh worth looking out for if, if you can find it um it's one of my favorite movies of the year so far um, wow
1: that's high praise i'll definitely uh take a look for that yeah yeah
0: uh, another one I watched. Uh, this is one I've wanted to see for a while now. Uh, since I first saw the uh, trailers for it, it's called Deathgasm. It's a uh, sort of a uh, spoof horror movie comedy kind of thing. Uh, a lot of sort of black metal influences. So Paul will be right into this shit once he sees it. I think <laughs> he'll he'll probably be right up his alley. But uh, it, it's essentially I don't know if I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, TV series Todd and the book of pure evil. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or I've seen it. I've heard of um, it, but I haven't seen it. I think most Americans, probably their their only familiarity with it is the fact that Jason Mewes was in it. it it's, a, it's just a, like a really gory, fun, kind of racy TV series. And this movie is essentially exactly the same thing as the TV series was like. Uh, it's a New Zealand uh, horror movie, so they have a bit of a more casual sense of humor a bit more loose a bit more interesting it's it's enjoyable it's not a great movie or anything like that but it's a lot of fun and then i'll move on to two serious movies air quotes there bitch i saw black mass with Johnny Depp, uh, which is the uh, Whitey Bulger uh, story. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, it's not bad. Uh, It's Johnny Depp's performance that sells the entire film. I mean, this is like him swinging for the fences, Oscar-wise. I I guess a lot of people are saying this is like his comeback after just basically doing a lot of, like, really...
1: After making a billion
0: dollars for himself, yes. This is his comeback, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because he's really really on hard times right now, you know. I have been making
1: Uh, $25 million a movie for, like, 15 years. This is my comeback, you know. Yeah, no, I get
0: it. He pretends to be Keith Richards for like ten years, and then right you, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's it's actually really good, and Johnny Depp is like legitimately fucking menacing in this film. Uh, when when I first saw the trailers for this, I was like, it looks like a really bad makeup job, and I'm, I don't know if I'm convinced. It just looks like he's overacting and shit. But actually, watching the movie, really fucking good. He he sets a really good menacing tone. Uh, he's not a redeemable character by any stretch of the imagination. He's—it's like—I I don't think I've ever seen Johnny Depp play. I, I honestly—I can't remember too many roles where he's actually played a villain in the first place. But here he just plays like such an unredeemable piece of shit. Of course, Whitey Balger is an unredeemable piece of shit. But this is sort of—it's um, got that sort of. Uh, some things change for dramatic purposes and all that stuff, right. so it, it comes off as a sort of a sub uh, Martin Scorsese kind of picture. So you know, it's not quite Goodfellas, but it's sort of in that sort of vein. It
1: sounds a little bit like Blow, which is the last time Johnny Depp played a uh, you know kind of a bad guy yeah. character, you know, in sort of a Scorsese light. Uh,
0: but although the difference here is that uh, in 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 that one Johnny Depp was playing, you know, he he was a bad guy, but he wasn't. The bad guy who would uh, strangle right, right. a no, no, a... I'm not
1: comparing him directly. I'm just saying, like you know, yeah. you say like you rate right Scorsese, and I go, oh, blow, yeah, just like that, right? You know.
0: In, in, in this movie, he tricks a, a hooker into a derelict building and, str- and strangles her to death under the pretense that he had. Well, bought who has the... it really? Yeah. Who has it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we all have our fo- foibles or whatever. But uh, I mean, you know,
1: I mean, that's just that was just like Tuesday for me. You know, I was just like, <laughs> hey, you know,
0: let's so, go cruising. Then, I'll pick up a
1: whore. I'll go strangler. You know, that's just that's just
0: uh, the thing I do. So many dead hookers. You don't, so, You know, really. It's so much more difficult that now that our basement has got a cement floor. But you know, oh, um, yeah, you gotta put a drain
1: uh, in that shit. That's the that's the key.
0: <laughs> And the other one I saw was The Martian uh, with uh, Matt Damon, and I'd like that. It, it's it's fucking good. It's fucking good, man. Um, Uh, I was kind of expecting to go in and maybe see something that's like Gravity with Uh uh, Sandra Bullock and uh, George Clooney. So much better, man. This is so much better. It's it's a slow burn. Like anyone looking for like sci-fi action or some bullshit like that, you're not going to like this movie at all. You're going to be bored to tears with it. But if you just want to watch like uh, basically a one-man performance and a really engaging and good one from Matt Damon... Sure. Uh and it's about smart people solving problems. I think that's the best thing about this film. It's it's like I, I... I
1: haven't seen the film obviously. Um mm-hmm. I haven't even read the book, but I like picked up the book and flipped through it. This is exactly the kind of like old school like 50s, 60s, 40s science fiction that like, you know, what what people are always saying about it is if Apollo 13, that scene in Apollo 13 where they like have to like build the heat exchanger in, out of, like, spare parts, if that was a whole movie, that that's kind of what this is. And the fact that, like, somebody paid Ridley Scott $100 million to make the uh, Matt Damon um, Solves Engineering Problems for Two Hours movie is kind of amazing. Like, really? That got made into, a like, a real movie movie, you know?
0: And It um, works. So, yeah. It, yeah, it works really well, man. Um, I was totally surprised and taken back by how good it was, how much it sucked me in. Uh, the Apollo 13 comparison is very apt. Uh, it, this is essentially the sort of dramatic tension and stuff uh, in Apollo 13, like just really amped up to a new level because, you know, there there is a bit of... speculative sort of like science fiction-y kind of thing in here because it's it's set in like the 2040s so you know it's a little bit more in the future there's some future technology and stuff but everything seems plausible I don't know if the science works out 100% because I'm not a scientist but it, it feels plausible like the way they explain everything the way they present everything you don't go bullshit you know
1: Well, there's not, like, that one thing where you go, well, and then clearly, like, the midi-chlorians show up, and then they just magically make Matt (laughs) Damon like, able to run 100 miles an hour. Like, hold on, wait a minute, what? Yeah, no, I've seen some uh, discussions of the science in the film and in the book, and it's like, yeah, there's some stuff that, like, eh, you know, but, like, for the most part, it's it's designed to be as accurate as it can be. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you know, one of the, like, the big thing is, like, well, they didn't simulate, you know, one-third Earth gravity. Because like that's just I mean ultimately that's just really impractical to do yeah yeah yeah. Um, you know so that sort of thing but you know it it sounds from what I from what I've read um a I really do want to see it I just haven't you know had the resources to do it but uh, that's one I'm definitely going to see at some point um because I I am excited about it
0: so mm-hmm. and this is one I want to see like I like you know. I- uh, spoilers! I cheated and watched it um, on Putlocker, but this is one I want to <laughs> see like on a big screen, or at least on a very big, a much bigger screen, because the visuals are just fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. There, there are scenes like. Essentially, he has to travel like 5,000 kilometers across Mars to get to another old landing site to power a rocket and get up into space. Mm -hmm. And the shots like that, they remind me of uh, Sergio Sergio Leone shots of Clint Eastwood, like way off in the distance and then like coming into frame and this, you know, just sort of holding on that. And you just get the idea of the vastness of the environment and everything like that. Really fucking well done. It's a great movie. It deserves all the praise it gets. And it is also on my sort of top list for the end of the year. So, And we can get right into our first movie. And the first one we're going to be doing is Contamination by Luigi Cozy. Uh, We'll start with just a little brief rundown of Cozy's career. Born in 1947, uh, he was discovered at age 21 by Dario Argento when he made The Tunnel Under the World, which is a science fiction film, a very low budget one. Uh, He basically got picked up by Argento, became an assistant director and screenwriter on a number of Argento's films. He made his first giallo in 1975 called The Killer Must Kill Again, which is one I've never seen, but I want to see it now.
1: That's a great title. Yeah. The Killer Must Kill Again, I kind of like that.
0: Yeah, it, it, it seems logical, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, well,
1: I don't know. Some of these slasher films and stuff, I, we've been watching, I kind of like the titles, like Bay of Blood. Like, okay, there's a bay. Okay, I get it, I get it. But, like, you know, some of them, there definitely is, like, I can't remember which one is which at a certain point because it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, I watched it, it was fine. But, you know, which one was The Prowler? Is that? Like, I remember that one, but, yeah. you know, it's sort of, you do kind of run into that. But The Killer Must Kill Again feels like almost like a Raymond Chandler novel.
0: Yeah, really. You yeah, know, yeah, like,
1: yeah. like it kind of has that, that cadence to it, you know? A good title will suck me in, no, no problem. So Yeah.
0: Sorry, I completely uh, interrupted
1: you. So, you know, I'm trying to sorry. avoid talking about these films. So, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's all right. Basically, based on that, he he started getting bigger projects. Um, probably his most well known one is Star Crash, uh, which was uh, sort of a you know fairly big budget for Italian cinema. It was like a co-production with New World Pictures with Roger Corman. Uh, it was basically the Star Wars rip-off film and a very interesting one actually. Some one we might have to cover at some point. Well, um,
1: actually, I was looking at is I was looking at this at the Wikipedia. Whenever we do these films, I look at the Wikipedia pages mm-hmm. to kind of get a general idea. Just like either during or after I watched the film, you know, and I saw reference to it and I clicked on it and I went, well, that sounds something like I'd like to watch. It sounds like kind of a campy kind of sexy, um, you know, Mm sci-fi Star Wars ripoff. And I'm like, that sounds way more interesting than Contamination to me. Although, I didn't hate Contamination, but it definitely was kind of one of those, like, why are we watching this? This sounds, uh, I know it's not a giallo, but it sounds a lot more fun to me.
0: But, yeah, so basically he, he did that, and uh, he basically got a lot of bigger pictures after that. Uh and contamination was one that sort of came in the wake of you know him getting a minor hit afterwards. After he did contamination, he started doing some special effects on some of Argento's films like uh, Phenomena and the Stendhal Syndrome. He did assistant directing on that. Essentially, sort of got out of pictures mostly f- as far as directing goes. He did he did a couple of films that were actually uh, documentaries on Argento's work. Uh, so we're gonna do contamination from 1980.
1: Man, is what
0: do you say? There's not a soul in sight. Really weird.
1: There's somebody in there, I'm sure.
0: You mean, they come from outer space? Why not? How many worlds are there in the universe? Millions, perhaps billions.
2: Unless they come from much closer, but...
0: Mars has always stimulated man's imagination, but as far as that cave was concerned, there was absolutely nothing in there.
2: You were telling the truth all along
0: but these are photographs but there hasn't been another expedition to mars
2: no these were found here on earth thousands of them
1: the woman is stella holmes a first-class mind
2: And lady would like information about our coffee. All your questions will be answered here.
0: (laughs) It's too late. Hamilton has got your friends. Let's see here. It's also known as uh, Alien Contamination, Toxic Spawn, and Contamination Alien on Earth. Cozy wanted it to be called the alien comes to earth or something along those lines, but uh, it was sort of struck and struck and down in favor of contamination, which is a title he doesn't like, but I actually think it's a pretty good title for this film, honestly, although I think toxic spawn probably even works a lot better.
1: Well, the alien must come to earth kind of fits with the killer must kill again. It feels (laughs) like he had
0: that, he had that sort of cadence to his titles. He
1: wanted to do, yeah, I like the title. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a good title. I'm I'm with you. Right, Alien contamination was even was was almost too on the nose. That that mm-hmm. was, you know, I'm like, "Oh, that's it's a good title, but it's just a little bit obvious for
0: the Yeah, film. yeah. Cozy is credited as the screenplay as along with uh, Eric Tomic. Uh, this is starring uh, Ian McCullough, Louise Marlowe, Marino Massey, Siegfried Roisch, Gisela Hahn, and Carlo de Meijo are pretty much the main uh, actors. Ian McCullough is, of course, uh, probably better known for Zombie, and essentially that was why he was hired for this film, because they sort of had this idea that, oh, we're going to hire basically all the cast for Zombie and stick it in this film and get another hit, because Zombie was the big hit of basically that year or whatever. But they couldn't get anyone else from Zombie. So uh, they, they stuck Ian McCullough in at the very least. And um, yeah. so, he's, so he's the lead. Essentially the story around this one, although you don't quite know it for quite a while, there's a mission to Mars, two astronauts come back from Mars. Um, and all of a sudden there's this situation where this ship is towed into into the harbor and it has all these weird eggs on it in these under, under the pretense of being hidden in these uh, coffee boxes, uh, the shipment of coffee from South America. And the eggs are, well, I don't know if you can even call them eggs. They're pods. Let's put it that way. Uh, they're incredibly dangerous. Uh, every, the entire crew is dead. Uh, The people go in and investigate. Most of them end up dead because these eggs explode into uh, goo. And if this goo gets on you, you fucking explode right afterwards. So the government immediately gets involved. Uh, Some nebulous military-slash-scientist-slash-government agency is tasked with uh, heading up the investigation with this. The main woman uh, involved is uh, Louise Marlowe, is uh, Colonel Stella Holmes. And she sort of enlists... Well, basically kidnaps the the uh, surviving detective who was originally on the ship looking into the this egg shipment, and uh, also the uh, disgraced astronaut played by Ian McCullough, who was basically basically uh, discredited and uh, sent into obscurity when he claimed that they found all, all these eggs on Mars that are you know very similar to the eggs that have shown up in the ship. Yeah, essentially they 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 follow the investigation there, and uh, we'll we'll get probably more into some of the plot points as we go on. But uh, what are your sort of your initial thoughts on this film?
1: Uh, I watched this one second uh, after the other film that we're going to cover tonight. After watching that film, I will say uh, this this actually felt like a movie.
0: <laughs> um, you know,
1: it, it uh, you know, it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's a little by the numbers. It it doesn't mm-hmm. do a whole lot with it. Uh, it's designed to uh, kind of showcase some some cool glorifacts. I liked uh, I liked the kind of overall structure. I think uh, you know, you really, you put uh, a bunch of guys in um, isolation suits and kind of kind of wandering around and shining flashlights, and that's sort of a, a, a genre. I know um, it's mm-hmm. sort of like, uh, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm at home here. I, I kind of like this. I was um, kind of expecting it to be a little bit more like the Andromeda strain. Um, at the yeah. beginning, you know, kind of, uh, following into this. So you're in this kind of scientific facility and then you kind of like move in that direction, but it kind of becomes like this kind of James Bondy thing about mm-hmm. the third of the land and just kind of leaves that behind entirely, which was less interesting to me. I mean, it's still kind of like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> it's got a couple of, um, kind of bizarrely boring, um, sequences of, of a, uh, people in distress, and not, and and like we'll get into the bathroom scene here in a minute i think I, I do want to talk about this scene yeah well in particular um i want to go on at some length about this scene because like, there are things i love and there are things that just are awful about it um but overall, I, I kind of liked the film. I, I, I kind of you get some more uh, kind of some horror elements. You get that kind of cool creature effect at the end. I didn't hate watching this. It was it was fun. It was fine. It was just kind of like ah that that was the film. It was um it's very clearly kind of alien rip off mixed with James mm-hmm. Bond ripoff mixed with cool creature effect at the end. And um you know if I paid a few bucks to go see this in a theater in 1980 when I was small child but you know like if i you know if i if i went and i would go pay five bucks to go see this and like eat some popcorn and you know not care that much about it or you know, and so um, that's kind of my thumbs up for this film. Um, I did like uh, some of the performances. I did like uh, um, Ian McCullough. Is that mm-hmm. what his name is? He's uh, he's pretty good. Uh, the the guy who plays the cop, the uh, the kind of Italian actor. Um, yeah. he looks really familiar to me. But I looked at his credits and I couldn't think. I didn't. I don't think I've seen him in anything. He just kind of has that face. He just kind of looks like a yeah. bunch of other guys like that um the lead i really i like the idea of of her i really like this this character and you know you know i always talk about the kind of the feminist stuff and the um those kind of aspects and there are some i don't know i don't i kind of don't want to talk about this here because it's just like it's kind of pointless to talk about it <laughs> um you know it is kind of like yeah they, they kind of write her to be um you know, I'm totally on her side because she's like dealing with all these assholes, and then they mm-hmm. kind of write her as like a figure of fun to some degree. And then there's a pointless love story that gets shoehorned in for 90 yeah. seconds towards the end. And like, what the fuck are you doing? And then you just kill the dude. And <laughs> um, okay, so what was the point of that exactly? Except to prove that, like, oh, I'm still a woman.
0: You know, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not a total ice um, queen. I I, I not, can fall right, for this. this is- Cop that I've belittled for the entire film
1: (laughs) rightfully belittled for the entire film by the way um this guy is completely useless for the entire film my favorite character was probably the uh the astronaut who kind of comes back the uh uh, the Ian McCullough character Mm -hmm. Um, probably my favorite character in the film he's probably the best actor in the film (laughs) and um that's kind of all I have to say is is an intro sorry that went on a little bit long but you know
0: no, it's alright. <laughs> uh, it it was directly made as a as a sort of uh sort of a riff on Alien. Uh, Cozy saw Alien as like, okay, I want the next movie I want to make has to do something with Alien. You know, it has to have some sort of elements of that. And the Italian film industry is like, yeah, Alien, right on. Let's make a movie like that because uh, that movie was successful, so we can make some money off it. To the point where the producer actually made Cozy shoehorn in more gore effects. Cozy actually didn't want. Any of that gore at all in his film? He he was more wow. interested in making a straight up sci fi film, and his film was going to be set more actually on Mars and in space. Uh, but because of the producer and budget limitations, he actually had to end up setting it on Earth. So it was changed around quite a bit. There's definitely elements of Invasion of the Body Snatchers here, not so much yeah. as like pod people, but there's that sort of uh, alien this alien
1: thing that comes in, and yeah. it's like a you know kind of a it's 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 like a hold on. What's the word? It's a contamination sort of (laughs) from another world Yeah, yeah. that's, you know, like harming people.
0: Yeah, almost uh, like an an
1: alien contamination.
0: Almost an alien on Earth that's contaminating and causing toxic spawn to uh, show up. Uh, Yeah, uh, the opening is directly ripped from zombie. Uh, It has the exact same sort of opening where a ship is towed into the harbor in New York or whatever and and uh, instead of zombies on it, of course, it's the alien eggs exploding all over people's faces and then making them explode. Um, also, I kind of I don't know if they directly ripped from the crazies, but I just felt like at the end where all those people in the in the white suits with the gas masks, it just screamed crazies to me. Like, oh, that image is really striking. Let's stick that in our movie as well because it, you know.
1: You you definitely feel the DNA of Romero in this. I mean, you feel like like he saw he saw a bunch of the Romero films and got what Romero was going for, but didn't have quite the uh, level of um, kind of social or he didn't he didn't have the ability to like actually put ideas in the film, and that's kind of where this film like falls flat for me to some mm-hmm. degree. And I think we'll get into this a little more when we get to uh, Hell of the Living Dead. There, there's really no—I mean, you could read things into this film, but there's really nothing. There's no subtext. There's no like idea that I feel like the film is really trying to express. Mm-hmm. It's just some legitimately cool gore effects and yeah, some really yeah. cool uh, atmosphere. And some legitimately like, you know, it's it works as a film. I mean, I'm sitting and I'm watching it and one thing flows to another. I mean, there's some stuff that, I mean, there's some plotting that doesn't work and there's some structure that doesn't work. But I mean, overall, I mean, it it works as a movie, which a lot of these things don't. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. I talked about Bay of Blood last week and I'm like, I'm totally down for this. This makes no sense whatsoever. It's not a movie. (laughs) <laughs> but it's an experience, you know. And uh, whereas this is, like, it works as a movie. Like, it's not necessarily a good movie, but it works on mm-hmm. the level which it's intended to work. But there's no like fundamental idea. I mean, I feel like if you're gonna do this sort of thing, I mean ultimately, you know, any kind of anything, anytime you have like an alien contamination or alien invasion or something like that, there should be some metaphor you're working towards. Mm -hmm. And there should be some like idea behind it or else you're just doing a genre exercise. And if you're just doing a genre exercise, it has to be a lot more clever than this. You know, so I feel like whereas Romero always brings in like there's some idea, even if it's not well executed, even if the movie is terrible Remember it's got some idea behind like this is what we're trying to like say or some comment we're trying to make about something in this movie, and that's just not here. There's just nothing here that like that like says there's a there's a there's an actual voice behind this like trying to say something to me. Um, and that's kind of where I go. Well, it was kind of ninety-eight minutes of me just sitting and going, like that was a pretty picture.
0: Maybe there's a subtle subtext of uh, the horrors of importing foreign goods into your country. Perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps well, that's it.
1: You could, you could definitely. I mean, the idea that, like, you know, <laughs> Colombian coffee beans are actually, and then you know, we're talking nineteen eighty, so they had the like the height of cocaine. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of go like, oh, so the alien contaminant is really in a- Mars. Aries is the god of war. And so you (laughs) could say that we've got, I mean, mean, again, like ultimately I, I do way too much of this shit. You can read into anything if you, if you try hard enough, like I could pull something out of my ass. Actually, uh, the 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 message, the fact that they're Colombian coffee beans, the fact that they're coffee beans of all things, it feels very 1980. Like it just, mm-hmm. it just screams like you know they're trying. Maybe they are trying to make something about like the drug war and the drug, like like. Oh, if, if only the, the if country. only
0: if only the uh, humans being controlled by the alien influence was like this Pablo Escobar figure, right? Then right. They Instead of like an something. astronaut, like like yeah. I mean. <laughs>
1: It is like, I, I do, I do kind of watch some of these things and I'm like, man, you've, you, you had the resources. I mean, this movie does not look bad. I'll no, also say no, that. It doesn't. I mean, it, do, I mean, it's obviously a, not a huge budget film. I mean, it's obviously not like some, but it, but it looks fine. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it, I mean, it, especially for 1980 it's a perfectly acceptable film of this kind i um, mean some of the uh, the creature and the gore effects i thought were, were very well mm-hmm. executed the uh, moment at the end where the guys being eaten by the giant oh yeah that's really
0: impressive it, like, yeah. that's
1: a that's a really impressive sequence i'm like you go like i mean obviously this is where they spent you know 80% of their money on this one mm-hmm. sequence but like it's directed well at the beginning i mean I, you know i kind of made fun of the like guys with flashlights shining um, <laughs> around in a dark room, and a little bit of that goes a long way. Thank you, Ridley Scott, um, yeah. for you know, using that for, you know, 30 years. But it looks fine. Like, it actually looks like a real movie, and maybe that's just how low my expectations were after <laughs> Hell of the Living Dead. <laughs> saying, like, wow, this feels like a film. <laughs>
0: like, yeah.
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was totally planning on doing this in the other order, but, like, it's fine. So, previous for what I have to say about Hell of the Living Dead there, but, um... Yeah. Can we talk about the uh, the bathroom scene? can we talk about the shower scene?
0: Yeah let's uh, go right into it because that's
1: kind of all I've kind of said all I have to say except I do want to talk about this shower scene
0: briefly uh, yeah, let, let me let me just let me just put forward for the uh for the uh, people who might have not watched it I don't know too many people out there who are listeners who have been in a bathroom where uh it locks from the outside instead of the inside but uh that's a bat that's a bathroom in this movie. Yeah.
1: I kind of got the sense that he had like wedged something in the lock or something. Like I, I I didn't maybe because you do get that shot of like, and this may have been just me like actually paying attention for 10 seconds that I, have, <laughs> you know, um, because a lot of these films, I'm kind of like watching it and I'm kind of like, oh, let me check my phone. Let me check my, you know, like I'm. I'm watching it, but it's like, I don't need to pay 100% attention yeah. to this. You know, This is not Godard or whatever. But I did remember there being a shot where he, like, he wedges or like he turns something. So maybe it's supposed to be there's a lock on the outside. But I kind of got the maybe. feeling like he had wedged like, a razor blade in it or something to like... I don't know. I just kind of always assume there's a dude that walked in in white gloves and he did something to the door. Like, it's maybe not supposed to be, oh, he just locked it from the outside. But Mm -hmm. um, my big thing about the shower scene is, A, you get a very obvious, this is the scene where the girl is going to get naked in the movie. Mm -hmm. And you don't actually see any nudity, which I actually think is pretty cool. I mean, not that I wouldn't have liked to see nudity, but I'm also like, well... I know that um, originally they were gonna um, from the Wikipedia page they were gonna mm-hmm. cast um, well, the Carmen Monroe, I think. Carolyn Monroe, it? yeah. Carmen Monroe, excuse me. Um, and I imagine that like the original idea was, oh, that she's gonna get naked in the scene, and we're well, gonna, you know. Uh,
0: she, from what I can recall, she has not really ever gotten naked in any of her film roles. Okay. She 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 was a starlet at the time. Who is incredibly fucking sexy and attractive, but I can't recall her ever actually getting naked on camera. I could be wrong, but she was not one who really Paul did would, that. No. Oh no. You know, well, we could probably, we could, yeah. uh, we could go to Mr. Skin if you want. We could find <laughs> out.
1: So but so so I'm totally expecting oh this is going to be the obligatory like nude sequence and then you're going to get some dude who's going to try to do something or whatever. But so I was waiting for that and then that didn't happen and so I was kind of like proud of the film. Like hey, good for you for not delving to that level. And then you get this sequence where hey, this woman is supposed to be this like really competent like super like capable person the way that the pods kill you is they explode and then mm-hmm. if any of the gunk gets on you cover the thing. Like yeah. you're, you're in a shower. Like I'm just sitting there going like cover it with the shower curtain and then cover that with like your robe or something like, or like, even just you,
0: stand in the shower with the curtain <laughs> drawn. Exactly.
1: You have options here, you know? Um, and so I was kind of like, I mean, I get like, she's panicking and she's going through this thing, but I'm also like, you should be smart, like, because (laughs) the movie made the effort to say, like, she actually tried to pick the lock from the other side with, like, the tools she had, and even though she didn't succeed, at least that's like oh, so at least she was like trying. She's not like completely damsel and, and pointless.
0: Yeah. And then she
1: literally just like leans down and is like cowering in fear, three inches from this thing. And I'm like, man, this is this is so not the scene. And it goes on for like about three minutes too long, I think. I mean, it really, you keep getting cutbacks to the other two to the two men
0: like Who are each other, which, which one of us is going to fuck her. <laughs> which one of which
1: one of us gets to fuck her? Oh, well, she's gonna decide where we go eat because like it's gonna be whatever she decides because she's a ball busting bitch, and I'm kind of like you guys are both fucking assholes. Like, <laughs> you just are like, can you please not be misogynist douchebags in the middle of this scene? Like, why why am I paying attention to you at all? Like, yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is a complete failure of tension right now. Um, and then you get shots of the pod, which have, uh, just kind of, the camera just tilts slightly. You just kind of get that slight twist and, like, zoom in. And then the pod is, it's a cool effect. It's, like, pulsing, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of, all right. Like, once she once she tries to, to pick the lock, and then, you know, she just kind of cowers, and you get, like, three or four minutes of her just kind of resign to her fate but not yeah, even yeah. in an interesting way, and so I'm just kind of like, alright, you know, yeah. you had me, I was down for this scene, I was enjoying this, you did some things I didn't think you were going to do, and you completely dropped the fucking ball on me. Thank you, they for did. the they
0: did. I I, Honestly, I would not be surprised because the character as written for her, she's, you know, she's not a fucking dumbass. She's, she's a totally competent character who could handle a situation logically and smartly, but it sounds like in the script they needed to shoehorn in we need a scene with a cowering female uh, yeah. who is naked, and we need, you know, basically we need to uh, put uh, Judy in, or no, Barbara from Night of the Living Dead. We need to stick her in this film, essentially, for three minutes or whatever. Right. And yeah. So it's like, well, she's the only female lead we have, so let's stick her in there. We can't hire anyone else. But, uh, yeah, it's very disappointing. And honestly, this is probably the most disappointing section of the film because that's where it goes into this James Bond plot. That is also shoehorned in by the producer. The producer yeah. also put made, made uh, Cozy do that as well, which is something else he didn't want to put in this film. And, I mean, it is so blatantly James Bond down to the point where the second astronaut, who everyone thought was dead, who uh, turns out to be sort of the human mastermind uh, henchman of the alien presence, is dressed in fucking Blofeld clothes. Right. Like he's got the Blofeld suit on and everything. Like it's so, it's so obvious. And the movie just kind of slows to a halt for basically the second half of the film until you get to the climax, which amps up all of a sudden again. But
1: you, you've got that middle third where really it just it, it, the film doesn't know what it's doing.
0: Yeah. And it just
1: it just kinda wanders around and you're just um I mean because the first third is actually really impressive. I mean the first third is, is fairly I mean there was a lot of stuff where I'm like, this is genre, this is just straight up genre trash, but yeah. it's like perfectly well executed genre trash and then at the end it's kind of like oh this is genre trash but it's, 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 it's doing what it's doing it's doing it well and you have this middle third that does nothing it just kind of yeah. goes nowhere I mean you could have skipped directly from the oh there's this coffee plantation where this, where this all comes from and then you could just cut to the two people walking into the coffee plantation like you don't need anything that happens in that middle third plot wise and then you yeah. could have actually dealt with like who's the blonde who's there all of a sudden and yeah, you know, yeah. what is what is the relationship between these two? And like um where like you could have done an actual story. And so I don't know, I feel like I'm I'm now being more harsh on the film than I meant to because I actually did kind of enjoy the film, but it's also like once you start picking it apart, it just kind of all falls apart, I think, a little
0: bit. Yeah, I mean I mean if you really want to nitpick it, why in the fuck would Stella Holmes why why would she enlist this bumbling detective and this alcoholic uh, astronaut as her only team members to right. investigate that, like they wouldn't do that. The government would send like a full fucking task force down and find out what the fuck's going on because you know this is a hostile alien incursion. Just the contamination of like alien bacteria and stuff alone right. would would set up so many red flags and just so much uh, movement from the government and everything. Everyone else.
1: This was this was. To be fair, it was during the uh, weak military era of the Carter administration that this would have
0: happened. And <laughs> oh, so really, oh, oh, if shit. it had happened
1: during Reagan, you know, like there wasn't like fucking like 20 Rambos would have gone down there and like just blown the shit out of everything. You know, this was the fucking diplomacy asshole. Like, no, 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 no. You send like a woman and like an alcoholic and a New York cop.
0: Sure. So, Thanks Sophie. a lot, Jimmy
1: Carter, for your failure of military interventionism.
0: So if so if it was a different movie like if it was like a little later on the 80s it would be like Stallone and be like hey, yo what do you got in them coffee boxes uh. <laughs> yeah
1: that would have been scene one and then the rest of it would have been Stallone blowing people up because they're <laughs> carrying um green eggs that would have just that would have been the film you know yeah. actually because it's like italian it would have been some ripoff of Stallone it would have been like a really bad version of stone, probably the new york cop would have been the hero like that actor <laughs> would have shown up he would have taken his shirt off and he would have just shot a bunch of guys like that's yeah. the
0: movie it's kind of weird though because like and, and you mentioned this and uh, i think we're getting to the to the end of this review but all of a sudden just shoehorned in out of fucking nowhere the the scientist woman who has, sp- has spent the entire film bashing the fuck out of this cop like yeah you know, all of a sudden, oh, by the way, I love you, and let's kiss because we're tied up in the villain's lair. And it's like, right. what? What the fuck just happened? Wait, what, 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 how, happened? What, what? Where did this
1: come from? Like, this is completely like, what is the, this? Is I mean, it's literally just well, and of course, they have to have a kiss in the movie. Like, of course, like she has to fall for the bad boy misogynist. Like, that's just that's just a given. What, She's not like, an iceberg. We want we want we want our audience to like her. Like, yeah, but, we, if she's not fuckable, nobody will watch this movie. She has to be fuckable by the end, or else.
0: But but you know. but, why, but the thing is, is like, why would she fall for him? Because if anything, it makes more sense that there's more of a history between her and Ian Ian McCullough's character. The,
1: the um, astronaut is uh, Hammond, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's he's the better character. Like, what's the New York cop doing in this movie to begin with? You can excise him completely from the film. Yeah. And just I have...
0: Mean, he should have actually died at the beginning of the film, honestly. Like He should have been sprayed with the shit as well and exploded. Yeah, but and,
1: and then over.
0: Done. Yeah, once did one... he bumbles through the entire thing. Ian McCullough is actually the male lead in this film. And he's the like, third-rate Roger Moore anyway, so he should be the one getting the girl if anyone
1: yeah um, well he does at the end because like yeah. you know the other guy gets eaten the default. By the default, he's the only one left he's the only <laughs> one left <laughs> look my penis is the only one left in in this movie so obviously mine gets sucked come on let's do it yeah, 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 do yeah.
0: It. it does work though it's 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 a fairly good film it does slow down there there are some you know typical low-budget italian eccentric qualities to it that don't quite work if you nitpick it a lot. The score is by Goblin, which I think is really pretty damn good.
1: I like the it, score a lot. I forgot to mention it, but the score is, it score is quite good.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Uh, you can get it uh, in the unrated cut from Blue Underground for 90, 95 minutes. Uh, there's R-rated cuts out there that are 84 minutes. It was originally on the uh, UK's video nasties list uh, inexplicably, pretty much, because there wasn't really any nudity or like really harsh anything in it. It was you know there was gore. There's a lot of gore, but it wasn't necessarily. I think
1: it's that slow motion shot at the end, like that. Like that, have, that that's it. that's a little. I mean, like, I. It's not. I don't think it's awful or anything, but it was no. definitely like it. It feels a little gratuitous at that point, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. A quick note on the uh, alien monster, like, and also it's kind of interesting because uh, they make they make a point that even though the monster at the end, the uh, cyclops, is killed. It's not really the chief monster from Mars. Like, there's still an alien presence on Mars. This is more like a sort of an avatar for that presence. And then the humans work through that. It was originally supposed to be stop motion, apparently, from uh, Cozy. He he really wanted to do like a stop motion one. But the producer is like, no, we're going to make a full budget mechanical one. Apparently it didn't work at all. They, they, they basically, the mechanical parts of it didn't work. They had to do all of it through manipulation. Like, if, if you watch the shot where the alien uh, mouth thing is eating the detective, uh, you can tell it's, like, done in reverse, you know, yeah. like, so, But it still looks really fucking great, all, all things considered. And the Alien doesn't look bad. They keep it in the shadows enough where it for, looks pretty for, effective. For
1: 1980, I mean, and and there are a lot of these kinds of films where it's like, oh yeah, that just looked like shit you should have, like... I mean, it, it is the sort of thing to where it's directed well, it's edited well, um, the effect works as well as it needs to, and it's 1980. Like, I mean, you know, this is obviously way before CGI, this is it doesn't look cheap, and I think that's the key to this kind of film and that kind of effect. Like if it had, if it had looked like, oh, that's made out of cardboard, and it's your big effect shot at the end, um, then it would have felt, you know, the audience would have felt a lot more cheated, or I would have felt more cheated by it. It looked, it looked impressive for what I was expecting. So, so you know.
0: yeah, uh, I think I think we both say it's worth watching. Um, yeah. uh, Don't spend money
1: on it, but like, watch it.
0: Yeah. Uh, but uh, if, if you do get the uh, Blue Underground disc for it, uh, I think it's on Blu-ray as well at this point. There There's actually a really well-done Italian-made uh, behind-the-scenes documentary about this film that only runs about 28 minutes long. But it's it's really nice. I think it was probably for a TV show in Italy or something like that at the, because it, it's it's obviously shot back in the 80s. It, it does a lot of behind the scenes stuff. It's one of the best ways to see just what Italian film studios were up against as far as uh sound design for their films was going. It, it illustrates perfectly why Italian films are dubbed uh, because there, it shows them shooting on the set and you can just hear people in the background hammering and building sets in other, other other parts of, of the uh, studio.
1: Yeah, but, Awesome. No, that sounds interesting. I, I, I wasn't saying don't ever buy the DVD. I was just saying I wouldn't spend money on this. But I, I might spend money on that, on that documentary more than anything, like more than actually watching the film again.
0: might even be on YouTube. Who knows? Um, I'll have to take a look. All right, now I'm with Paul. And uh, thanks, Paul, for uh, showing up on a slightly different night because of scheduling problems. So, uh, yeah, thanks for showing up. And- no problem. Yeah, and uh, we're going to start with Contamination from 1980, and uh, basically we're just going to get your thoughts on it. So uh, what, what do you think of it?
2: Overall, I thought it was pretty good. It lacks a little bit here and there uh, when it as, as far as like overall films go. I think the gore effects on the explosions are really great. It does lack a little bit of the monster aspect that I was hoping to get, a little tentacle action. I was actually just hoping <laughs> for the The eggs do virtually nothing the whole film except going, wow, yeah. Um, and blow up and make people die. But there's nothing in the egg to really do anything other than it just is. So they should have just called them, like, pod grenades or something like that. You know what I mean? Overall, it was really interesting. They build the film up in a different way, and they use tension in the film. They do a couple scenes where they use – they draw things out a little bit to build tension. It works Mm -hmm. sometimes. It works sometimes. It doesn't. Overall, I'd I'd give the film, like, generally – as far as sci-fi people go, or just in people that want to watch a different kind of film, I'd, I'd give it like a 7 or 8 out of 10, definitely, overall. Just as a real
0: quick perspective before we get into it. That's the thing about the eggs. Like, they make a mention in the film plenty of times that... Um well, maybe not plenty of times, but a couple times where uh, the guy who gets, uh, sort of the mastermind guy who gets controlled by the alien entity or whatever to do the operations on Earth, he makes mention of how the eggs are like sacrifices, you know, for the greater cause or something, like like, as if there was actual creatures in the eggs that were eventually going to be hatched. Yeah, but you never see any of that, and of course, it, it probably has more to do with the budget than anything else. Like, yes, you, yes. You couldn't have yes. huggers running around and shit, right? Well, but, we made
2: everyone blow up in the op- most awesomest way possible so we couldn't <laughs> afford anything else. That's basically yeah. it. But overall, it was pretty interesting. The One of the coolest parts of the film that really wasn't played onto very well was the the cave on Mars that looked mm-hmm. like a monster. So you looks like, I mean, I don't know. I thought they'd play on that a little bit more, that you're actually walking into a giant, like, hibernating monster. Because if you look at the cave, it looks like a giant mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So the mouth almost looks like one of those angler fish that live in the subterranean depths of the ocean. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Like, And he said how hot and damp it was inside. I'm like, well, it's, that means it's breeding inside of a, a, like a, like a hibernating alien, too. I'm like, well, that's cool. So there's like a lot of like really fun aspects on this film and the psycho, like, um, the hypnotic approach of the aliens to get in your mind, and and basically he took over the one uh, astronaut's mind. It Mm -hmm. was pretty interesting. I think there is, like, a little subtle, there was supposed to be some nuance of a Bond film, like a spy film, or this Mm -hmm. kind of underground stuff. I mean, there was a couple times when uh, Ian the character was, was, yeah, was, was Ian Niccolo's character yeah, yeah. his character was walking around in the jungle and it reminded me of uh, Roger Moore a little bit just the Yeah isn't thing. he isn't he kind of like a
0: like a third-rate Roger Moore yeah like, he looks
2: yeah. like he, he would be a good third-rate Roger Moore the film uh, also brought back some nostalgia for me personally I mm. remember when we were trying to have my first uh, kid and my wife was screaming uh, get up here quick there's an egg so that reminded me of that a little bit and then the, the line when they were both tied up and uh, he came in and says now it's time for you to come and I remember that. And it reminded me of trying to have children. And that was very nice. That was very nostalgic. Very, it touched me in a warm, deep spot. I like that quite a bit. Oh, that's really nice. Um, and now know, let's go back on the other thing is, though, the film overall has some really cool scenes in it. And it always makes me feel a little weird seeing New York. I've been there. You know, I've been to these places. I've been across different bridges. So that's kind of interesting. Seeing mm-hmm. these old panning, panning scapes of New York City, Obviously, there's it. The skyline looks a little different now after certain yeah. events, but it's also really, really interesting and cool to see that the deaths of these shipmen at the beginning, and then I mean, this film has a lot of really cool horror aspects to it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely it's, it's, not straight up sci-fi.
0: I like I like the stuff they borrowed from. Like, there, there's obvious borrowing from Alien. I like the contamination suits at the beginning with the with the, mm-hmm. in and in, in the end there. Uh, oh, especially it, in the end. It looks total crazies in the end. Crazies, yeah, exactly. Immediately just sort of jumped in my mind. Crazies. They did, immediately took that from crazies. They probably did.
2: Well, at the end of the film especially, it feels like a Bond film because he sneaks up on the guy, and I'm like, he's going to knock him out and take his outfit. And that's just so, you know what I mean? Like, I I, I felt like I was in a in a low-rate Bond film at that point in time. Uh, it wasn't Roger Moore, but it was Sean Connery that went to the island in the mm-hmm. one film, and he was um, – he was going around the jungle doing things like
0: that, and it just reminded it was, me of that. Uh, I think it was Thunderball. Thunderball, maybe. Well, he he did it in Doctor No as well, but I think oh, no, Doctor Thunder- Doctor
2: No is the one that where where, where uh, Sean Connery was in the island was on the island. Doctor, yeah, no.
0: yeah, 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 yeah. That sort of Bond thing. The only thing that sort of separates Ian McCullough from being a James Bond is he didn't get to sleep with any of the girls in the in the film.
2: <laughs> well, and that's this. this is the number one problem I have with this movie. If there's an egg in your bathroom, you take off the shower curtain, you throw it over the motherfucker. Just in case, my personal respect, you want two layers of of protection. So you take off your bathrobe and throw it on. (laughs) And then you take off the shower curtain and throw it on. And then you have a wide panoramic view of the room, so I get lots of nudity. This film is basically a 1 out of 10 because of that failure. So there you
0: go. They, they blew it all in one sequence yeah yes you, you <laughs> ruined the film the very
2: wide-faced woman should have been naked
0: uh, I read somewhere that the producers wanted a quote unquote ugly woman in the film yeah the scientist woman and she's not ugly at all I mean she's, she's not ugly she, at...
2: she has a little bit of a wide face so I don't know something about her like she has like she has a face that's like oh nice 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 and then stroke I don't know there's a little <laughs> bit of a stroke aspect to the, the sides of her mouth. But other than that, she's not a bad-looking dame.
0: No, I mean. Right. I
2: called her a dame. Look
0: at that. Yeah. It's it's weird. Like it does have some of that sort of uh, European sort of sexism that you see in all these films. You know, where the the, the two lead guys, they're the detective who's the dumbest detective in the world, by the way. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, but him and Ian McCullough's character, they're basically just like at one point they're competing. Like, hey, you have any interest in her? Because I'm gonna go after her and shit like that. And yeah. she actually falls for the dumb detective guy. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh well. Oh, turn around and kiss me. Oh, that's yeah. the most. And then he's and then he turns into a sop, you know, and, oh, that's the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Oh. And
0: by, the, by the way, if they could turn around that much and kiss each other, they weren't they, tied together all they, that No, time. no, and the
2: funny thing is, like, in the, the scene right after where it was my time to come, uh, they basically <laughs> just stood up and they weren't, you know, I'm like, you could have been facing each other the whole time and like, hey, so what's up? You know, yeah. what I mean, you didn't need to be sitting back to back. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny
0: too. But I, I do like it. It's got, um, it, it does have really good gore effects. Like that's probably the biggest attraction to it. But I, I think the story actually works pretty well. Like it's not mm-hmm. like a lot. It's not like a lot of these low budget Italian ones where the story gets like really convoluted and weird. It all makes sense pretty much. It, it, it I mean, the only thing that sort of hampers it is that some of the uh, dubbing is kind of awkward. You know, when you're translating some of the Italian to English and stuff, it mm-hmm. doesn't quite work as well. But for the most part, this is. Was actually a pretty competently put together uh, sci-fi film, I thought.
2: My the only problem is if you took out the gore aspect
0: of the exploding people,
2: mm-hmm. the film would have dragged down and been more of like a dollar Elvira movie, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yeah. It would have it would have taken a lot of the draw out of the film. If in reality they did that, they would have more money to spend on aliens and whatnot, mm-hmm. etc. So he would have got more of his sci fi film in the end. If you just cut it out, just cut out the gore, it's 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 kind of boring there was a great moment of suspense in the beginning, almost slow motion when he's picking up the egg at first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's great. When Ian McCullen is basically, you know, just lollygagging down the the hallway, that wasn't great tension. That was like, I get it. I get it. I get it. What you're doing, all right? And uh, so, you know, like, so that wasn't good tension. They did play off it. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. I'm not giving them, you know, too much shit because hey, it worked sometimes and it was really good. We get it. The guy at the end's gonna blow up. Just fall yeah. over
0: already. <laughs> yeah, that took a little
2: while, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, that took a little bit. That took a little bit, but yeah. overall. Pretty interesting. The only thing I would have liked a little bit more was a little bit more lighting on the final alien so you could have seen mm-hmm. more of what was hitting the people. What was. Uh,
0: well, I think they probably had a good reason for not lighting it Well, the alien. reason
2: that they lit it because it was made of like, you know, just old duct
0: work and. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, that that being said, it actually looked like way better than I expected when they got to the end because I thought it was going to look like garbage. But, right. you know. They, they kept it dark enough, and I mean, yeah, the Cyclops idea with it, kind of goofy in a way, but, mm-hmm. you know, oh, let's put an old car light in this. Rubber. Well, my,
2: my problem was, okay, that little tiny eye did not light up that whole corridor of the cave. Mm-hmm. I was expecting a bioluminescent monster, you know what I mean? Kind of a yeah. weird bioluminescence, it, not just the Cyclops, but like you said, they had constraints and yeah. they worked with what they had. It's definitely not the worst sci-fi movie I've ever seen.
0: All right, so like basically, your your overall thoughts? Uh, you just yeah, basically
2: overall overall thoughts. I think it's a good film. I think it's definitely something that if you like the sci-fi stuff and the Italian genres of filmmaking, you should definitely watch it. I would watch it again if I saw it on on a DVD or whatnot to buy. I would buy mm-hmm. it. So yeah. there you go.
0: You can pick it up on. Uh, I think there's still Blue Underground copies floating around that you can grab from go. a website or eBay or Amazon. So that's how I got mine. And it's definitely a
2: lot better movie than Extra 2. Let's just say that. Oh, so Jesus they, you
0: know, Is it ever? Yeah.
2: <laughs> and yeah. overall, the acting
0: really isn't
2: that bad. And, no, then, they, and you do get a little bit of laughs out of here and there. I mean, it does, it does have things in it to keep the movie moving along.
0: This is Liam Neeson. I have a particular set of skills, and I promise you, if you don't listen to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight, a movie podcast, I will find you, and I will kill you. So we'll move right into uh, Bruno Mattei, or Mattei, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Born in 1931, died in 2007. Uh, He's a noted Italian director, screenwriter, and editor. I'll just say right from the get-go, this guy is pure exploitation. Like, if, if you want to look up the definition of Italian exploitation director, this guy is it, because he basically personifies everything that pure base exploitation filmmaking is. You got to start an Italian cinema by working for his father for his uh, sort of uh, studio in 1951. Apparently he edited more than a hundred films between the sixties and the early seventies uh in seventy four he got his first directorial credit directing 20 minutes of additional hardcore footage for jess Franco's nineteen sixty nine film ninety nine women which I believe was a prison and uh women in prison film directorial uh,
1: debut that sounds like a great way to have a directorial debut quite, quite
0: <laughs> honestly, yes <laughs> well co-director at least but
1: uh, uh, co-directing you... credit there we go.
0: Yeah, but he became a full-time director in 1977. Uh, He made uh, a couple of erotic Nazi films, the sort of Nazi exploitation genre. He moved on to uh, a couple of the non exploitation films. So basically he's, he's done everything that, you know, every taboo sort of genre at that point. He he did some collaborations with, uh, around this point, uh, the late 70s to the 80s with uh, screenwriter Claudio Fragasso. And that was sort of his sort of peak period. The film we're going to be doing, Hell of the Living Dead, was essentially his sort of first horror film. And uh, sort of Catapulted in, into fame, he became sort of a you know director for hire to do uh, really uh, low budget stuff. He did a couple of Caligula films afterwards, a couple of Emmanuel films afterwards. He picked up uh, directing duties for Zombie Three after uh, Lucio Fulci took ill. Finished that film altogether. He directed fifty four different films in his career and died of brain cancer, unfortunately, at the age of seventy five. And he's kind of referred to as the Ed Wood of Italian filmmaking, which I think is probably a pretty apt description of him. Uh, he's often said that he wishes he could remake his films with more money and uh, make them apparently less ugly, he says. But at the same time, he made no uh, bones about it. He made films for money. He was totally an exploitation director. And the total goal of his films was to make a profit. So that that is essentially... Uh, what you get from uh, Bruno Mattei. The film we're looking at is Hell of the Living Dead from 1980.
2: Now they're celebrating the funerals.
1: Bodies have to be cremated.
2: Wish to God I knew what's happening here.
1: I insist that the most serious
0: situation we have to deal with is cremating the bodies. Cut it out! Stop wasting your damn bullets, you jerks! You need to hit their heads! I told you! See? Like this! Get away! Get Get
2: out! No! Oh! 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 Oh!
0: boys, I'm not on the menu after all. <laughs> Don't let it worry you. I think you will all meet again. <laughs> In hell, huh? <laughs> Hurry up,
2: get
0: going. Here they go. wrong with no. Who's over there? I heard some funny noises in the back there. Hurry! Regan, check the coordinates. No!
2: Bastards!
0: Experimental project Operation Sweet Death must be considered a complete failure.
2: All these high-powered installations, like a factory from a future world, safely hidden.
1: You're all doomed to horrible death. Doomed to be eaten up. First, I'll kill you. Get
0: back! You won't get me. It's also known as Virus, Zombie Inferno, Hell of the Living Death, and Night of the Zombies, which is probably the most well-known alternate title. So it's directed by Matei as Vincent Don in this film. And also Claudio Fragasso uh, did some additional directing, uh, some, of, some more of the gore uh, shots. Written by Jose Maria Canellis, Rosella Derudi, Claudio Fragasso, and Bruno Mattei, Starring uh, Margaret Evelyn Newton. Uh, Franco Garlofello, uh, Céline Carre, José Garras, Gabriel Renome, and Joseph Louis Fanol. And I totally butchered all those names. I apologize, but most of them are probably dead now, so who gives a fuck? Yeah, and this film essentially evol- involves a... Uh, if, if you can actually sort of get a plot out of this film... Uh it is essentially uh there's a disaster at this chemical plant in Papua New Guinea and it ends up turning a lot of people into zombies and this elite SWAT team from Italy is brought in to investigate and uh that is essentially they meet up with this uh, reporter who has no uh, qualms about getting nude in front of the natives and that oh, is we're going to talk about that.
1: We're going to yeah. talk about that.
0: <laughs> and that is essentially what the plot of this film is. Let's investigate what the fuck is going on in Papua New Guinea and uh, I'll throw it right to you Daniel. What are your initial thoughts on this one?
1: This is uh you made me watch Oasis of the Zombies. Oasis of the Zombies is more incomprehensible and boring than this film. This is the worst film I've watched for this podcast. <laughs> uh, by a considerable considerable margin. Um I got to the end. I'll I'll say that. And um it's not even that it's not um fascinating in a uh absolutely horrible uh atrocious way as much as uh okay so Let's just start here. I, I'm not going to talk too much about this. This film is fundamentally racist, like like <laughs> in, to its core. Like it's not just like oh, all of the zombies are black people and they just want to eat your brains. It's not just like oh, we have extended shots of like cannibals. It's not just like oh, we have this colonialist uh, architecture that is going. No, 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 this film is fundamentally racist, like <laughs> fundamentally to its core. You cannot get away from, like, the fact that, like, there are, like, implicit, explicit. It is fractally racist. That's how (laughs) racist this thing is. There is racism on every level. What's interesting is there's an idea behind this film where, like, somebody is trying to make the point of, like, how racist this chemical company is and how racist, like, society is and, like, how racist... Uh, population control and that sort of thing. Like, somebody's trying... Like, I talked about Contamination, and I said, like, there's not really an idea behind this film. Mm -hmm. Here, there are some really interesting ideas that are executed in the most asinine, bass-ackwards way. (laughs) And um, it just you end up with the effect of like, it is just this awful, awful, awful thing. Like the lead character who I really wanted to like this reporter character who we kind of follow around. Mm-hmm. Like I liked her character. I really liked that character on paper. The actress is fine. I don't have an issue with, with most of this. She literally walks around in like quote unquote native makeup for a good, <laughs> like 10 minutes in the middle of this film. And it's a, horrifying it's just horrifying okay so i'm just gonna leave the racism aside i'm just i have said what i need to say about the fact that this film (laughs) is is terribly racist it's also just absolutely incompetent on like many different levels um so you know how like action films i'm just gonna rant here i hope you're okay with no go go ahead so you know how like action films i'm having a good time by the way thank you for thank you for recommending this because it's at least fun to talk about. So um, I suffered through this to be entertaining for you guys. So if you're listening to this, enjoy. You know how like action films, they all start with the unrelated plot, the unrelated thing that the heroes do to show how badass they are, and then it just mm-hmm. kind of moves into the actual story. Well, this film does that twice. Mm-hmm. Um, you first get the kind of intro sequence in the, um, in the chemical factory. Yeah. With the uh, the rat that is dead, and then it comes back to life, which I still don't know why that happened, except like it gives you this nice um, the nice bloody uh, sequence where you don't really get a shot even of like what the rat does to actually get inside the guy's suit. But okay, sure, you get some blood, you get some gore, it's it's fun. Like well, hey, he's, wearing, yeah. he's
0: wearing a, a chemical resistant suit where the hood is totally loose on his head and the exactly. rat just goes yeah. on. So
1: yeah, but you don't get a shot of that. Like you don't yeah. like you don't see it, it's just suddenly the rat's in his suit. And like I'm with you. Like the first like the first like ten minutes or so, I'm kinda like, oh, these guys are talking about some cute girl's ass, they're being assholes, they're both gonna die, okay, I'm down oh, there's going to be some accident, and then it's going to create zombies, and then that's going to be the movie. I'm, I'm down for this movie. I'm, I'm like, okay, I get it. this. This is where this movie is going. No, this is not where this movie <laughs> is going. That would have been the better version of this movie. This is like the first ten minutes that then just kind of goes nowhere. It leads into this, like, A-Team style of those before the A-Team, but it, it's yeah. like a rate A-Team uh, with uh, cheesy synth music that just keeps coming back throughout the of these completely incompetent Euro-trash SWAT team that are apparently like this superhero SWAT team uh, wandering around um, basically just killing brown people Without provocation or with provocation, but definitely like oh they're terrorists and like and I'm kind of like oh so and then they just shoot them like that's 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 yeah. the whole thing they do. Um, it's like the uh, opening sequence of Equilibrium, but without any kind of uh, context or any kind of idea behind it. So, so you get two sequences. You're already 20 minutes into the film before the main plot even begins. Then we end up in Papua New Guinea and we get the most terrible actor in the film, the father character.
0: No, oh, he's yeah. <laughs> sitting,
1: and like I'm watching this, and I'm kind of like, so if you are making a film in Italian, and you know you're going to dub it into other languages and into English, what you don't want to do is give people long speeches. Like, just just mm-hmm. don't, because like when it's just like a short kind of like a few lines, you can kind of forgive like the fact that the move the mouth movements don't. But this this yeah. guy, a he's way overacting, and b he's enunciating directly into the camera and it's completely obvious that he's in no way saying what he's actually purportedly to say. <laughs> there's a seven-year-old child and there's the kind of a creepy effect where the seven-year-old child becomes a zombie. But there's a seven-year-old child who's acting like a three-year-old, like just like, I guess he's sick. Yeah. Um, but then there's the beautiful wife and everybody leaves the car and then the son is like lying in the father's lap and you get this shot of like the father like looking at his beautiful blonde wife and the way the sun is kind of moaning, although I don't think it's the sun, I think there's another like, I think it's just dubbed it by another actor. Yeah. it sounds like a woman like gradually reaching orgasm. Like, it's sort of, like, I know, Lee, you wouldn't have ever heard that before, but that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, you're getting this sense of, like, I mean, I'm just listening to it. I'm kind of, like, vaguely, like, I have my earphones in, and I'm, like, kind of checking my phone and that sort of thing. And I'm, and I'm like, that just sounds really awkward. Like, I, so that's just not the sound I need to hear right now. And then people die, and the SWAT team shows up. And then there's, like, a whole bunch of racist shit that happens. And then at the end, you get some pretty cool gore effects. And then that's the movie. Like, that's yeah. that's kind of it. Did I miss anything? Oh, there's a romance that goes nowhere, and um, people die for no reason. Um, these SWAT team members just decide to wander around in the middle of the zombies and provoke them and not actually get in the fucking car. <laughs> the uh, lead female character, the the journalist, I like her mm-hmm. character a lot. This is the kind of thing where I think a competent writer and i and i and I'm not even going to say the director is bad. I think there's some good direction here, and I'm not even going to complain about that mm-hmm. i mean the the low budget shows and the the kind of like we are just shoving stuff in here, and we've got footage from another film that we're just like shoving into the middle of this one because like hey let's let's be racist um you know it it's fairly i mean there is some fairly effective stuff in this film, but this doesn't hold together at all like this mm-hmm. is completely pointless on so many levels and um but i did like that kind of central lead i thought she was pretty effective i thought like the sequence where because the the military the the swat team is like essentially just try, trying to just get rid of her and try to bump her off but they're trying to do it quietly or whatever yeah. um although they should have just shot her if that's what they were gonna do like i mean it just it, like it doesn't make any sense i'm not saying they should have shot her i'm saying like in their place they're in the middle of the jungle shoot her and then throw her body somewhere you're done but she does get a nice little scene where like she t- turns on the guys and she's, like, in charge for a second and she's going to uh, take control. And then, like, they just completely, um, you know, <laughs> two minutes later, after they've taken the gun from her again, like, she's hitting on, the, the, the one of these guys is hitting yeah. on her and she's responding. And I'm like, oh, dear God, like, this is, um, you know, I, I know I was reading the Wikipedia page and they talked about how, like, apparently they went and they shot in Spain and they shot a bunch of stuff but they didn't shoot enough. And so, part of the reason that the plot doesn't make any sense is that there are just big chunks of it that are just missing because they just didn't shoot stuff. Although, that's just—I don't know how that happens. Um, <laughs> just like whole sequences. Oh, we—you mean we didn't shoot on Thursday? Was that what happened? I don't—I don't know. But uh,
0: well, um, well, so, essentially, what happened is like they started shooting Barcelona, Spain, and uh, a lot of the footage they actually shot was. Deemed unusable when they looked at it, and they mm-hmm. didn't have the budget to go back and reshoot it. So it okay. was like, okay, we got to start sticking stock footage in here from Papua New Guinea because a, there's no jungle in Spain, <laughs> right? Like,
1: they're, like they're, they're, they're... I, I understand, I understand, like the need to like insert footage. I understand this was a thing that they did. I mean, a, <laughs> the footage they inserted and the way they use it, okay, there are some issues there. I've talked about that, but then like, then there are just whole chunks of the plot missing. You know, yeah, and they are exactly, just like yeah. things just it, things just happen for no reason. And um, yeah,
0: although although I get the feeling that even if parts if those parts were back in, it probably wouldn't make any more sense. Honestly, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, no, no, yeah. no. I, I
1: I I'm not disagreeing with that. Even I mean, honestly, I don't even mind. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I've, I've ranted a bit and I've been a little bit overly mean. I think to the I mean <laughs> I'm not being overly mean. This is a terrible film and don't watch it. There <laughs> are um this is one I will absolutely say no. You shouldn't this this is this is pointless um the, the 90 minutes i spent watching this wasn't even 90 minutes because i kept having to stop it and go do something else just to i uh, get through the film like <laughs> this was one of those where i almost just hit play and then just kind of walked away and just kind of listened to it in the background and just came back i will say that the um the disjointed nature of the plot i kind of was on board with to, to some degree. Like, uh, I mean, it is an artistic choice as well as a, as a, as a budgetary choice. you just going to go and then we're going to smash cut to this other thing. And like the audience should, should just kind of go along. It feels kind of modern in that sense. Um, I'll also say that the, the moment, um, where the nudity comes in, I can talk about like how nudity is used in films all day long. I have a lot of thoughts about that, but ultimately once you've decided, okay, the part of the appeal of this film is we're going to have a girl walking around half naked or Basically naked for you know a good chunk of the middle of this film. the decision to kind of uh, shoot this in a way where it's kind of like, "Oh, so we have to go approach this tribe." And then just have her like, oh, well, and of course, I have to get naked and I have to do this thing. <laughs> um, she treats it very matter of factly. I think the performance is really good. And I think that the way that the film kind of handles it up to the point where she's putting on the makeup and doing the thing, like, I was actually kind of impressed with the kind of filmmaking there because it doesn't, I mean, it does give you the close up on her breasts and it does give you that. If but those it doesn't
0: need her breasts. It doesn't need her
1: breasts. Uh, I mean, but she walks around with them exposed for, yeah, well, you know. She-
0: well, the thing is, uh, uh, she's all painted up when she's actually right. in the scenes, right? And when, when that one cutaway to her actually pulling her top open, those breasts look like a lot fuller than than hers when she's blocking. Uh, you,
1: you may you may have paid more attention than I did to, to that aspect, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I'm not. Uh, whether it's her chest or not, like the yeah. the idea of um, treating this as like I'm a professional, I do this for a living. This is something I this is something I need to do. Like in character of the of the journalist like if we're accepting that they're not going to accept me into this tribe if i'm not wearing native garb which okay this is terrible but (laughs) if we're going to accept that as a premise that this character believes even at that level like i'm a professional this is something i have to do you guys might be hung up about the fact that i'm about to get naked but like fuck you I like mm. that aspect of the character. You know, that that's kind of one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm down with this. I'm enjoying like for that like split second I'm kind of like, oh, and this is how we're introducing this element of the film. I'm, you know, I'm down. Um and so to to some degree the kind of disjointed like the the fact that this is not discussed this is just something that just happens out in the middle of the film. Mm-hmm. Um I enjoyed that. Um but then oh boy, does that sequence get really uncomfortable really fast. Yeah,
0: well, it, first first off speaking of uncomfortable, I can't believe that uh perfectly crafted uh, jungle leaf thong that she devised for herself could be anything but the most uncomfortable fucking thing you could wear.
1: Maybe maybe Uh, it was in her luggage. Like, I kind of get that. Like, she's done this before, right? Like, like she's been covering this tribe or, like, the local tribes, and she's like, Oh, I just have like a I have a a, a pre made jungle thong just sitting yeah, around. Well could could, you know, be, could like, be I mean she had all the, the paint. Like I mean, you know, like yeah, like it's sort of it's sort of one of those things of like, okay, there's a time cut there. I get you know <laughs> but yeah, I didn't even think about like where did the jungle thong come from. I don't think she made it right there on the spot. I think that was uh that was pre existing. That that's my, my headcanon
0: for yeah. the film. Uh but it's funny because, like all the footage she ex- ends up interacting with for like that ten minute sequence of her being naked is all stock footage, pretty much. So it's like almost this could almost, almost be like uh, subtitled, like strip nude for your stock footage or something like.
1: That. Right, yeah, yeah, I mean the whole thing is, um, I mean she wears the makeup, she wanders in, and she ends up in the middle of this. I mean, again, this is kind of where there's a more interesting movie kind of happening. Mm-hmm. The idea that perhaps, like, if we're going to approach this as okay, there is this Western journalist who thinks she understands how to get in close with these people and actually is doing something like horrifyingly wrong, and like viewing it from their perspective, from the perspective of the villagers, if we were presented with the villagers as characters to some degree, and if they yeah. were like, responding to this, and they weren't just portrayed as like awful cannibals, like that's the other, that's the other <laughs> thing. That, like, can you kind of, you kind of get that? Aspect as well. I mean, again, I said this is fractally racist. I mean, this is like there are so many levels to the racism. It's just, I mean, I wanted to sit down with a notebook and just start categorizing, like you know, all the different, all the different kinds of racism, just in that little like ten or fifteen minutes in the middle of the film. You know, the idea of like presenting this, like of seeing these people as people, and like how they're going to respond to this. Again, there's an idea there. Again, there is this kind of like, I mean, this is not, this is not made. I mean, he might be a hack, but this isn't like. Hat kind of like okay, we're just kind of making, we're going by the numbers, and we're just doing mm-hmm. what has to happen. It feels like there's a real like intent there. There's this real kind of like we're actually trying to do something interesting. It's just that the way it's executed and the way that it comes across, especially to modern eyes. I mean, but I can't even imagine this was acceptable in 1980, quite honestly. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. but in 2015 eyes, I mean, this is this is just. Completely beyond the pale. I mean, and, uh, my my, uh, I did a little bit of reading again, just the Wikipedia page of like what the film was that it came from, and yeah. it looks like it's a um, film where these um you know two Western women basically find like this paradise in Papua New Guinea and, like, kind of wander in it, it seems more like kind of almost a romantic kind of, like, image of, like, oh, these people are untouched by nature, and if I can get away from my um, Western world, kind of, you know, just kind of reading the plot summary, it kind of looks like that kind of film, which has its own kind of uh, racist connotation. Yeah. Um, again, fractally racist. That's that's my co- that's my key phrase for this film right now. But uh, it is it is sort of, like... Um, The fact that then you're using that footage in service of this uh, basically image of these characters as monsters, you know. And then once you, once the kind of zombie stuff starts happening towards the end of that sequence, and the fact that the SWAT team just blatantly just pull out their machine guns and start gunning down everybody, zombie and not, Mm -hmm. um, I think is another, like, there is sort of an idea of, like, these guys are violent thugs. These guys are, are awful to these people. You know, there, there is sort of an idea there about kind of Western interventionism in like these kind of other cultures. But again, the film doesn't really do anything with it except like basically establishing that these guys are just awful people.
0: Oh yeah, um, and the, then
1: everybody dies at the end, which is yeah. kind of a, a nice, a nice kind of thing. Like, okay, nobody lives. It's, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's great. Uh, and yeah, that that SWAT team, like, first of all, they're the most unconvincing professional SWAT team ever. I mean. They are just presented even from the opening uh, sequence where they're taking out those terrorists uh, straight up psychopaths. like they're they're <laughs> yeah. not they're not professionals at all. like they're just crazy people shooting yeah, yeah. like they disarm one of the uh, terrorists and instead of taking them taking him prisoner, the guy comes behind and slits his fucking throat after he's yeah. disarmed. So you know uh, the, these guys are just fucking crazy. By the way, of course, uh, they're dressed just like the SWAT team from Dawn of the Dead. Direct yeah. rip- lift from no, there. No,
1: no, no. That that, that sequence, that that like uh, going into the that that feels very Dawn of the Dead. I mean, yeah. again, this guy saw Romero. You know, this guy, this yeah, guy yeah. was he had Romero's like you know he was masturbating well, to Romero pictures.
0: Well, he he not only lifted that, he lifted the um, music directly from Dawn of the Dead. There's good, the goblin, the entire goblin soundtrack is lifted from. Dawn of the Dead and the movie we just uh, reviewed, Contamination. There's actually cues from that film as well stuck in it. Um, and that actually sort of set this film back from uh, being released for a while because there was some legal wrangling there because they didn't ask permission for doing that. The stock footage is taken from the 1972 film Love Valley also which is of course the explicitly the Papua New Guinea stuff that they could find. They also have stock footage of animals that are often mismatched because there's a lot of animals in this that are shown that are not <laughs> that don't come from Papua New Guinea yeah, yeah they're are not they' not at all nature, yeah yeah. Um, there's stock footage from a film um, Nuova Guinea Lozola the Cannibale something about Papua New Guinea cannibals from 1974. I totally butchered that name, um, but it's uh, real documentary footage from a New Guinea tribe that's basically stuck in, and uh, it's it's mostly around the burial service kind of stuff where you see the actual you know dead body footage and stuff yeah, like right. that. They did the close ups on. And it's pretty striking because. All that film stock is really grainy, and then they switch back to the characters. Uh, I I find it kind of funny uh, that the sort of secret operation that the uh, chemical plant was doing, essentially this is also part of the sort of the deeper plot that's not really actually fleshed out in the film, is that the whole intention of this chemical plant was to create a chemical that would turn all the people in the third world into cannibals. Right. Which would somehow solve like some of our like not only probably uh, food supply problems but immigration problems as well. I imagine so. Deeply more racist, right there. Again,
1: there's a really interesting idea that like they, the the company is presented as like straightforwardly bad guys. Like like mm-hmm. this this is not in any way. So there is an attempt to, like, express, like, the idea that, like, these people in the in the developing world are real people who deserve, like, human rights and dignity and all these yeah. sorts of things, and maybe we shouldn't, like, be gassing them to turn them into cannibals to eat each other so that we can have their stuff. But at the same time, the way that it's executed is so... I mean, And it's, like, thrown in at the very end of the film. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, so it's not in any way developed. It's not in any way, like... And it doesn't, like, inform what happened beforehand, really. I mean, you know, like... Again, if we had been presented with this kind of portrait, I mean, I keep when I see these things, I keep wanting to write the better version, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If we had been presented with this SWAT team as like openly racist and openly terrible, and like if we were kind of were presented with them as kind of fairly unstraightforward heroes, at least to some degree. But like the terrorists at the beginning of the film, the the brown terrorists are right. Like Mm -hmm. they're the ones trying to actually like spread this word about what this Company is doing, um, and then they just get murdered. I, you know, I guess you could say that maybe they're not portrayed. They're they're not just portrayed as like outwardly heroes
0: because then they do try to kill the journalist and all that sort of
1: thing. But we're supposed to kind of be on their side, at least like the attractive one who's like hitting on the journalist. We're kind of supposed to be on his
0: side. Yeah, of this, they, you know? the, uh, the low budget Lee Majors there going. Yeah. There.
1: <laughs> so and then like you meet the journalist, and then like if we'd gotten an idea of like she's well meaning and good at her job and competent but maybe doesn't really understand as much as she thinks she does and, like, is kind of approaching these people in this uh, terrible way and is doing these things and is, you know, like, like you could kind of write this, you could take this basic structure and then make a good movie out of it is Mm -hmm. kind of what I'm saying. And then at the end you find out, like, oh, this chemical company was doing these awful things to begin with And all of these, like, people that we met in the middle of the film who were presented in a more kind of nuanced and humane way, the whole point of, like, everything that's happened was, like, and then all of these people are just going to eat each other, and then that way we can go mine their stuff and, and like, have food and all that sort of thing. You know, this idea of, like, zero population growth and, like, population control and that sort of thing was a uh, big topic in the late 70s. Um, among a lot of ecologists and, and that sort of thing, you know, there there are good parts and bad parts to that, but it does often come to the point of like it's always the people on the other side that have to die, not not mm. people that look like me, and that's always um, that's always the, the 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 key, you know, yeah, uh, who yeah. gets to decide who has to die, and who gets to decide all of these things, and ultimately it always comes down to well the the wealthy white people in the industrialized world because we're the ones that that have all the money and power, we get to decide to to. Let let Papua New Guinea eat itself. Um, yeah. You know. So again, there's an idea here, and I really appreciate that. I always like seeing these kind of ideas. And um, I hate the fact that I hate this film so much because I I wanted, <laughs> like I really wanted to like this. I was I was I was involved in this film, and I was not even caring. I mean, the issues with this film. I mean, you mentioned the little budget, and the kind of you know that that the, the director was always working on this tiny budget. The issues with this film are not the budget. Like it's not the fact that it's made for for zero dollars. Or lira, you know, zero dollars mm-hmm. is like 85 million lira or something like that. So <laughs> um, it's not the budget that that fails this film, it's everything else that fails this film, um, you know, in my mind. And which is a shame because I actually was interested in this premise and I was kind of involved until it just completely dropped the ball on me. Even without the terrible racism, I think I still would have <laughs> had a lot of issues. But then once it became like, whoa, racist, I was like, now. Yeah, I'm done. And I and I'll be honest, like the last third, I was kind of like half paying attention to it. Um, because mm-hmm. once it then gets into the the factory and you're kind of just doing the like, okay, and now we're we're doing the SWAT team doing the like clearing the factory thing. You know, I I was just kind of bored by it by that point. Like yeah, and, and, then it,
0: um, I kind of switched off. Now the, the the final act is essentially wall-to-wall gore, sometimes really well done, sometimes really badly done. The the effects, at least at the at the very least, are probably sort of the highlight of this film, honestly. They're they're pretty well done for the most part. Part. You're right. It's incredibly disjointed. There's probably a lot of good intentions somewhere there, but they got lost along the way in this film. It doesn't help that it seems like the entire narrative was just shattered by the fact that they lost probably a lot of their footage in Spain yeah. as well. And you know, I don't, I don't hate this film as much as you do. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite films. I do kind of enjoy it on just sort of visceral level more than anything else because. It, it, honestly, it's it's so dumb that I don't take a lot of it too seriously. Anyway, I mean, it, it, if if you want to watch, if someone wants to look into this one, essentially, probably the biggest thing you are going to get out of it is probably maybe the gore effects and just just the sort of enjoyment of seeing all the stuff it rips off from Dawn of the Dead more than anything else. But but other than other than that, it's it's not a well done just film. Skip the
1: middle third. Skip the yeah. middle third. You know, watch the first thirty minutes and then what? What's your takeout for top? And yeah. then just skip ahead like thirty minutes, and then just watch the end, and that's.
0: It, although, probably, although, uh, you could probably make a drinking game out of all the times that after one of the SWAT team members says, "You got to shoot them in the head," that they, they don't, don't shoot the in zombies head. in no, the they head. They don't. They <laughs> don't. They're they're,
1: they're they're really. I mean, everybody is dumb. Everybody except yeah. for the the journalist, who is just maybe misguided. But yeah, but I I did. Again, I liked your character. I you know, I too hate this film. I do legitimately hate this film, <laughs> um, and I don't think anyone should ever watch it. But um, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, you know. And and the there there is like there is I think a good intention behind it, but it's just terrible. And it's so terrible that contamination seem like a seemed like Citizen Kane in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this and I was like, wow. Take a little break. Sit down. A contamination. I'm like, look, a plot. I'm like there are characters that I don't hate. And <laughs> like, you know, there's a rumpled guy, and they're putting on uh, suits. And they are like, you got flashlights. It's 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 good. Like yeah, look, a movie. Like, what was that other thing I watched?
0: <laughs> and no, no one from Papua New Guinea being treated like a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, that, that movie has its own racial issues, but in comparison, I mean, it was just yeah. like you know, it was like uh, in the heat of the night or something. You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: all right right on okay so I, I think we can i think we're done with the films here uh yeah, i think so okay uh we'll move on now to uh, Hell hell the living dead and uh, we'll get your sort of initial thoughts on this one
2: okay before i get into this i actually have a pretty serious question about hell of the living dead and i want to ask you and get daniel's aspect later are you an ass man or a tits man
0: <laughs> I'm probably more of an ass man, and I'm regard. an ass
2: man personally. Yeah, but the one guy just love those titties. <laughs> love that. Now the serious stuff's out of the way. Now,
0: yeah. We
2: Overall, Hell of the Living Dead is probably one of the most Italian-rated, low-budget piece of garbage zombie films out there. That's awesome because <laughs> it's it's a really good film. Basically, you're watching Dawn of the Dead in Bizarro Land, <laughs> where they and and they actually steal music from mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead and it throughout the whole film. So it's, so basically by the end of the time, by the time Hell of the Living Dead is over, you're going to want to watch Dawn of the Dead.
0: And actually, some of the music from Contamination is actually stolen for that one too. Ah. This is sort of like a mashup of Dawn of the Dead and Zombie at the same time, like just yes. sort of run yes. together and then basically sprinkle with more gore and more offensive shit that he can think of putting in there. Yeah. One of the best links. Uh, I I
2: can't, you can't watch me do this. So you have to see the film. I'm going in. Don't use do your guns. Be back in an hour. And then yes. she gets a serious face on and starts unbuttoning her dress, her shirt, opens her, her shirt up because she's going in and it just zooms in on these tits. That's the best part of the film.
0: And here's a question I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask Daniel this as well. With the initial shot where she's unbuttoning her shirt, is that is that her tits or is that a tit double? Because
2: now, her tits aren't that big, so that must be a tit double.
0: Yeah, I was thinking so. They're they're more full, like you know. Yeah, this is, like, this is an important thing to. Yeah, well, to now to we have straight. to actually
2: analyze this because they are four, like they don't, they're like 34 C's in that mm-hmm. picture, and she's more like a you know like a maybe a 32 A really i mean like she's the little puffy nipple chick
0: so and, and, i mean yeah and she and she shows no real like when, when you see the full body scenes of her running around she's got the paint on and she's got the fucking how however she made that fucking uh brass <laughs> leaf fucking thong thing she's if wearing. Guys, turn
2: around, I'm gonna loincloth the shit out of this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, oh my God, really? You're you're you made a thong out of like grass and leaves? Like I mean like, like
2: obviously yes, it's a little stereotypical and insulting and racist, but guess what? It's a film, so who cares? You know what I mean? Like, but it's great at the same time because I'm watching someone bounce around in their in their birthday suit. So
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you what did you think of the SWAT team in this? Because
2: I The SWAT team is dressed exactly like they're dressed in Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I, they I thought are, they were. I thought they were all
2: modeled after Roger. Well, here's the thing about this: they're not all modeled after Roger. They're all modeled after every single different part Roger does in Dawn of the Dead. One's, <laughs> one's a super serious guy. One's a swarthy guy. One's a fucking whack job. The other one's a joker. The other yeah. ones, if you look at it, like they're all modeled not just by Roger, but
0: every stage Roger takes in the film, put into one group.
2: Well, that's, that's interesting,
0: the, yeah, because so it's essentially his personality is split over a, yeah, four different he, people. Yeah. That, that whole squad is basically Roger in all <laughs> of his little personality
2: traits. It's, it's interesting, uh, and of course, because of the simple fact, it is a blatant rip off of Dawn of the Dead*. You start in the outbreak which Mm -hmm. the rat going into the guy's thing with the blood is awesome. I just love that scene so much. So you start with the outbreak, then you switch to a completely different movie, and it's a hostage situation just Mm -hmm. like *Dawn of the Dead, except they are the laziest hostages I've ever seen. They're basically like like beatniks getting high, (laughs) just sitting around, and it's like, yeah, man, let's do some hostage work.
0: Nice. Yeah, and the, and, the, and the SWAT team is, like, the most unconvincing SWAT team I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, and
2: uh, you're, if you, have you ever, when they kick open the doors and just, like, start shooting people, they're all, like, sashaying. They have, like, a sashay pose when they're shooting. It's like I'm, they're not – they're very they, unprofessional.
0: They, they ripped it off. They ripped off – like, he ripped off so many scenes from Dawn of the Dead, like, shot-for-shot yeah. shot scenes that mm-hmm. he ripped off from Dawn of the Dead. Like, there's a scene with a zombie crawling across the floor, and one of the SWAT guys has to shoot the zombie – uh, they're, the scene where they break into the room and shoot everybody, that's essentially taken from uh, Dawn of the Dead when they're in the basement. They're shooting all the zombies and shit, right?
2: Yeah. I was waiting for
0: someone to go, send in Willie's team. Yeah. And yeah. and, and the, the first inclinations I had that this isn't a proper SWAT team is like it's a hostage situation, alright? So yeah, they're running in there. They disarm the first guy they come across and then the other guy comes behind him and slashes his throat with his fucking knife. Like, What? You disarmed yeah. them. You're supposed to be taking them hostage. Not. we're going to kill them. We're just going no, to no, slash Those bastards don't get what's coming to them now.
2: I mean, <laughs> like, basically, so you know, they're just going to go in there and just make everyone dead. But it was really cool because it does give you the creepy aspect of the guy, you know, saying how the hope, the hope centers are, you know, they're you're all going to die. And I know exactly how you are going to die. Uh-huh. But the funny thing is they know exactly how they're going to die because the guy was basically doing the prophetic, you know, death speech. Yeah. How the hell does he know? Because the, the scientists didn't even know. That was just a, a freak accident that just happened.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it doesn't really make sense. Like, how does this fucking beatnik know what happened at the Hope Center when it just happened, like, a day ago or something? Like, fucking, and, and who calls their, by the way, who calls their project Sweet Death? Like, Sweet Death, yeah, exactly. Project Sweet Death. Yeah. Baby, that's some sweet death there. I have a Got the roll, sweet death, baby. <laughs> Sitting here, gonna throw the bionic elbow on your ass. And you the we, that's gonna be our new, our new tag team. Yeah, <laughs> sweet, sweet
2: death. death.
0: Yeah, Stop the roll, power of malley with the sweet death, baby. Oh, I love it. I but love it. Yeah, it, it makes so no sense because. Uh, the scientists are all rem- were remorseful. How could we have known that this would have unleashed this horror? It's like you called your project Sweet Death. Sweet I Death. I knew what was going on. I never knew it would kill people, damn it. Okay, so the the gas or whatever that they were working on, it reanimates dead bodies, right? It infected a rat and reanimated it. Right. Why, did, why didn't it reanimate all the stock footage in the film of animals that you see throughout yeah. the entire thing?
2: Well, the funny thing is um, the stock footage is, is, is a very interesting part of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a couple different uh, styles of stock footage. One, they set up replicas and just shoot them. Yeah. The other two is they use a different film grain and shoot the replicas to make it look like stock footage. And then they actually use, in my opinion, perspective they use a real stock footage of a bloated corpse yeah they do in my my aspect that's real that doesn't if they fake that that's amazing because that looks like a a bloated man penis and uh yeah and and that's and, and i mean some of the stock footage isn't to me stock footage it's like you know actual real documentary footage well, yeah, that's and, what
0: I mean. Like, that's what they called it all from, right? Like, the animal stuff is all nature stock. Yeah, footage. And, and the best part is, half the nature you see isn't in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, that, that's the thing, and and the the native stuff that was taken from like an actual documentary on like natives in Papua New Guinea, like because they they shot this in Spain, so there's no jungle in Spain, so they had to they had to put jungle in somehow. So they yeah. basically shoehorned. Like, head.
2: well, everything that's in Africa has to be in Papua New Guinea, like yeah. elephants, and <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. actually that's what the sad footage is: watching the stock footage of the elephants basically getting herded and stampeded.
0: You know what I mean? I'm like,
2: oh, poor elephants. You know, I went all soft there for a second. Uh, But, yeah, that was pretty interesting. But, yeah, most of the stuff that they show, except for, like, the birds and stuff, isn't even in Papua New Guinea. And when they slaughtered the big pig, that's a pig they are actually cutting up. You can kind of tell. And yeah. uh, I was like, oh, they're, okay. they're stuffing the entrails, and they're going to throw the entrails under the fire and cook it. I'm like, oh, cool, I'm hungry. Uh, made me actually hungry. It was pretty interesting watching the first uh, – um, no, it wasn't the first. It was actually – what was it? Yeah, it was in the first uh, outbreak scene where the doctor's running around with the, the gas mask. Mm-hmm. And you look down, and if they would have used a little less lighting or spent a little less time on the scene – you it would almost look like the guy's uh, chest cavity was open, which was pretty cool. But yeah. then, if you really look at it, you, one you see him breathing, and then two <laughs> you actually see his hairy Italian chest through the through the blood and stuff. I'm like, you should have slatted a little bit more on there, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and the scene where the the wife actually comes down like hung from the ceiling, you can actually see her trying to spit up blood. And, yeah. You know, yeah. To make it look like it's drooling out of her and stuff. The zombies in this, I'm a big fan of the zombies in this. They I'm look great, I'm a good. fan of I'm a fan of basically well what they did is at the one scene, uh, when they're in the camp, they hired the Harlan Globetrotters to come in. <laughs> and pretend to be Africans. It's really <laughs> funny. But uh, they even they look fun. I like all of them. You know, I like uh, the, how the Harlem Globe Triad of natives were pretty funny to even just to watch because they're so like, you know, hey, Jerome, come over here and play some African guy. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's really funny. My wife is a huge fan of, uh, of uh, the Haitian, like she always says, the fat zombie on the boat. In Zombie mm-hmm. 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, she's a big fan of that kind of look, and, and so she likes the zombies in this film, too. The, the African uh, africans yeah. the, the Papua New Guinean zombies and stuff, so she was a yeah, big fan
0: of it. it's good, isn't it? It's like it, it, there's a good mix of this sort of Romero standard zombie. And Mixed it, with it, the Fulci. It, then you get to that Vulci where their faces are all messed up and bloated and shit. and Yeah. Yeah, Uh,
2: uh, really cool. The woman with two pussies, that was a fun one. Uh, That was definitely a fun scene. Uh, How they thought that up, I give them credit for that. Uh, And uh, the greatest part about her is, this might have been unintentional, she still has this sweet grandma grin on her. Like, smile mm-hmm. on her when she's trying to crawl to the guy before she gets killed. I'm like, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, I it like is. that. Yeah, I like that. There's a scene where the uh, villagers are coming in at, near the end, and then you see like this uh, non traditional stereo, like white chick. I'm like, okay, why are you there? Yeah. And then uh, if you look, they're like, there's a whole family of them. And then she's in the house. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like I think you guys got a little screwed up there. Continuity area. The only other continuity area that I could say right off the top of that is. Well, one, why the hell you have windows open in the jeep if there's zombies
0: everywhere? So they had to close
2: the windows. But when the jeep took off again, you notice
0: the windows are open. Yeah, <laughs> it gets hot in there in Papua New Guinea, man. Yeah, yeah no. it gets a little steamy. So what? What? What do you think about? Okay, so the, there's there's one guy in the SWAT team who uh, I guess his name is Serrano or something like that. Yeah, uh, Serrano. The, basically,
2: the uh, the we got this by the ass, Roger.
0: Yeah, the the real crazy motherfucker who's obviously. Yeah. He's obviously nuts from the start because he's the guy who slits the throat of one of the fucking terrorists when they disarm him, or whatever. Um, yeah. So he's the guy who discovers that you can shoot the zombies in the head. Oh, you mean them.
2: the guy that has to tell them seventeen times during and, the film, and and he
0: himself doesn't do it half the time.
2: Yeah, <laughs> they waste like like a, a, probably probably waste seven thousand squibs on yeah. not shooting the zombie in the head at all. And uh, I remember the couple different times, uh, and then Seanto or whatever his name comes in, and like the head, boom. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was like, do you have to keep telling these trained people to shoot the fucker in the head? I mean, really? That and like you said, they they keep fucking shooting them everywhere. They
0: don't just shoot them in the head. They just keep shooting just whatever, wherever yep. doesn't matter. I mean, uh, crazy, crazy ass Santaro here. He fucking he says shoot him in the head. Shoot him in the head. You got to shoot him in the fucking head. He's running around, he's baiting these zombies around to keep his let his friends get away. And he's like, hey, motherfucker, you want a bite? You want a fucking bite? What do you want? You want a breast? You want a thigh? Huh?
2: huh? Oh, you want a wing? Huh? 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 Want suck on this! The guy looks
0: like the illegitimate child of fucking Iggy Pop and fucking uh, Klaus Kinski or something. Yeah, yeah.
2: Basically, if. Sonny Bono had, like, a weird Klaus Kinsey kid or something.
0: Like, (laughs) the the SWAT team, like, two of the guys on it are the ugliest motherfuckers I've ever seen in any of these movies. Like, there's Zartano. He's ugly as shit. Yeah. And then there's that other guy who puts on the dress when they go in the house there or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
2: I'm like, you died in a dress. That's awesome. Yeah. the, the The best part of the film was, you know, you see us in the wrong light. If we were in a cocktail party, we'd be fucking by now.
1: Yeah. I'm like, no. ooh, you're smooth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, that's man. That man has confidence. Yeah. Well, the leader of the SWAT team, he looks like uh, what's his name? There, six billion dollar man. Oh yeah, the six billion dollar man. Uh, he he uh, Lee Majors. He looks Lee like Majors. a low rated yeah.
2: Lee Majors. Yes, he does, and mean yeah. he, he, he's uh, he's very military. Yeah. He, and the thing is, he's so military, even at the end of the film, when he knows he's dying, he still burns all the evidence to not link them to the Hope Project. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, whoa, man. This is... I mean, this is a pretty damn good film. This is probably one of my favorite Italian zombie films.
0: Absolutely. Like, like story-wise, there's actually some pretty good ideas in it. Like, uh, the the script is weak in parts. Like, it kind of falls apart here and there. But, Mm -hmm. overall, like, considering that this could have been a lot cheaper and a lot worse, He actually throws in a lot of really good stuff. There's actually a lot of really good effects, I think. And it's interesting. Like it's not boring anywhere. Like it's actually one you do. You just watch it straight through and you enjoy it for no, all, everything. Yeah,
2: it, it, it doesn't lag. It doesn't really lag. It keeps moving pretty well, pretty well. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of different parts near the end. We you know with uh, every villagers raiding and things like that. Yeah. And this and this and the breakdown of society. Even though they're trying to keep it going and like all these people. Well, America says it's okay and it's getting better. And this is, says it's doing this and this is getting worse and worse and worse. I like the twist at the end. The twist. At the end was pretty interesting, and it makes sense why Papua New Guinea was infected so bad because they were the closest. Yeah. You know, and you know, they get on the raft, they finally get on the raft, and they end up at the place where it started from. And I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. The only thing I thought was pretty funny near the end, after I'm already into the film, I know everything that's going on. So when blood starts falling, I you just open your mouth and eyes and go, Ugh! until someone pulls you away from the blood falling. Awesome. That was probably the only, like, real shit acting near the end of the film.
0: And, of course, some of the effects went to shit, too, at the end of the film, where they finally catch up to the girl and start ripping her apart. Oh, that's
2: the (laughs) – I love the fact that, like, okay, she's the last one to die. She's the one that people saw naked and probably cares about the most. How can we kill her? Let's rip out the bitch's tongue and pop out her eyes because she's a reporter. And to me, that says – Speak no evil, see no evil. Nah.
0: Any overall final thoughts?
2: Overall much... final thoughts. If you want to get into like some, some really good exploitation uh, zombie films, then more of the, like, the, the island zombies and the Italian movie scene, I love this film. I think this film is one of the best Italian uh, art, uh, zombie films out
0: there for me. I like it a lot. All right. Tell everyone where they can find you on the internet, Paul. You can find me
2: on uh, YouTube, P.A. Brew News, one word. Uh, some underground black metal stuff on YouTube, Funeral Dust 666. Or check me out on Facebook, P.A. Brew and News. There
0: you go. All right. Awesome. And uh, thank you very much again, Paul, for joining me. And uh, we'll go back to the uh, end of the show, I guess, whatever we're going to be playing for music and shit. So, uh, yeah.
2: All right. Well, might as well play all the movie from Dawn of the Dead since that's all that's in the film. Yeah, that's thing. all that's in it, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I'm Christian Bale as Batman, and when I'm not running the streets with Clark I'm listening to "It Must Be Destroyed outside a movie podcast. Where's everyone? Where's Rachel? Dash? Yeah. So, uh, Daniel, tell everyone about your uh, Doctor Who podcast.
1: Sure. Um, I was gonna talk about how uh, both of these films kind of reminded me a little bit of Doctor mm. Who, actually. Um, in particular stories in some cases, but they both kind of have. I mean, Contamination is kind of about, uh, you know, alien menace that comes to Earth, and then like having to solve it. And I kept expecting John Pertwee to show up and like, you know, <laughs> um, that's what that's what uh, Contamination That would have been a way history.
0: better film.
1: I mean, if John Pertwee showed up like in the final <laughs> third and was like, "You guys are idiots. We solved this. I I solved this like an hour ago." Yeah. Um that would have been really the, the the proper ending of the film, I think, you know. But um puts
0: it um, another you
1: know, film. <laughs> Hello Hell Living Dead. I mean, there's not like a the, the first twenty minutes kinda of, or the first ten minutes or so reminded me a little bit of uh, Inferno, um another Third Doctor story. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean I was I was kind of inclined to like both of these
0: films just based on like,
1: oh it kinda it's kinda got a structure. Uh, I, like, I thought the second know, film
0: was basically you were just going to say it reminds me of how much I hate Stephen Moffat. I think that that was what you were going to no, say.
1: No, it's it's way worse than Stephen Moffat. Honestly, <laughs> like you know, as much as as many issues as I have, and I've talked about this, uh, the current showrunner of the current Doctor Who, as much as like the racial and, and anti feminist and all the other stuff that that goes on in current Doctor Who. Um, Hell of the Living Dead was worse than any of that. Like, <laughs> But anyway, if, you're, uh, if you care at all about that, I actually do have a Dr. Who podcast, which you can go check out at com. Talk about classic and new series. I do it with my wife, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, we're in the middle of Series 9 right now, but we're doing those two at a time. We're doing some classic stuff. Uh, we're going to be getting to Peter Davison pretty soon, so check nice. us out. And none of that probably made sense to anybody who listens to the show. They probably get to the point where Lee goes and tell about your Doctor Who podcast, and they just skip forward 30 seconds. So, you know, that's yeah. kind of my expectation. Really, I expect everyone listening to this podcast just skipping ahead of all over my sections. Like, and then, and then what did you think, Daniel? Skip forward two minutes, and then they go, oh, yeah, and then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say, though, your, your last episode of Doctor Who got me interested in the uh, 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 Holly from uh, City of the Living Dead. Uh, City of the Dead. City of the City Dead. Dead, yeah, and now, uh, I meant
1: to mention that podcast to you because I was like, "Oh, you're that's probably right at Lee's Alley," and I just yeah, I, I actually, I
0: actually, uh, it. I actually just burnt through all the uh, Amicus episodes that uh, she's done so far with right. uh, what Tex lives, I believe it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, James Murphy is the uh, sorry. Now we're completely talking about something that, like, but uh, hey, hey,
0: people to don't best. like it; they can fuck right off. As far as I'm yeah, concerned, better.
1: uh, City of the Dead is a podcast that is done by so both members of that podcast. Have appeared on my podcast now. Mm-hmm. Um, both uh, James Murphy is one half of Pex Lives, which is another Doctor Who podcast, and they are uh, anarchists, like left wing anarchists, who uh, view Doctor Who through that perspective. So it's like this <laughs> fascinating, um, highly political look of uh, through through the Doctor Who. James Murphy is one half of that podcast, and then he started this other podcast looking at every Amicus film, I believe, in order mm-hmm. with Holly, who is who appeared on Pex Lives once and kind of has her own other stuff. And uh, they're both really, really cool people. And my the only reason I haven't listened to that podcast, because they're both really cool, and I'm sure they're, they're like, super clever. I mean, they're both clever on Twitter and stuff. Um, the only reason I haven't started listening to that is because I haven't seen the Amicus films. And I keep saying, like, oh, I can just sit down and start watching the Amicus films. And then, But then I'm like, and then I got the shitty things, like, Hell of the Living Dead I gotta watch for Lee. Like, <laughs> come on. And I do a weekly Doctor Who podcast. And, like, ultimately, I only have so many hours in the day, I have to watch good shit sometime, you know? Like...
0: So, Do we have to start force-feeding you Amicus stuff on this podcast just so you have an excuse to listen to her podcast? Is, is that what it, I'm saying? It, would,
1: it probably wouldn't hurt. I mean, I, I was kind of <laughs> like, I, A, I was like, you should listen to this podcast, Lee. And then I'm like, hey, can we start covering these films so then I could go listen to City of the Dead? But uh, eventually, I'll, I'll 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 make time to to watch the films. And,
0: okay, uh, well, I guess that pretty much sells it. December, we're going to do some amicus stuff. Then, just right. just so you can stop being an asshole, and start listening to her podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair uh, enough. So, yeah, uh, we'll
1: we'll uh, we'll uh, tweet at Holly B with this, and we're gonna. Be like, yeah, we just talked about your podcast for like five minutes at the end of this uh, thing, where we talked about this horribly racist uh, hell of a yeah, movie, you know. So you, you are...
0: at, at this point, with the uh, Paul stuff that I'm gonna shoehorn in here, it's probably gonna be like a two hour podcast. So, hey, Holly, you want to listen to two hours of bullshit and then listen to us uh, uh, stroke uh, your podcast dick for like five minutes?
1: <laughs> I think I think I think that podcast has a clit. I think that would be the. Oh uh, well,
0: whatever you know, it is. Whatever
1: whatever you know we don't want to misgender the the, the podcast you know, yeah, so. yeah yeah
0: yeah uh, but uh, anyway uh we'll have the little trailer at the end here telling us telling you where you can go and leave us comments and questions recommendations for films you want to see us cover all that good stuff we're definitely open to anything you want to throw at us next week i'm not quite sure what we're going to do yet i think it might be nightmare city and then something else from another uh uh, Italian director, and that will finish off our Italian series. Uh, the very end of October, I have something special planned. That's sort of a secret, but I've been working on now for the last couple days and it's turning out very, very well. It's going to be a special sort of Halloween episode. And let's just say my voice is going to be ruined by the time I finish it. Uh, and I'll, I'm going to leave it at that as a sort you're, of a mystery. You're
1: going to read your,
0: my little pony fan fiction
1: at the, on a podcast.
0: It's gonna be an all Brony episode. Of an all episode. Destroy oh, that right. site. <laughs> Jesus Christ, no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we're fucking done here. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you, Daniel, for joining me. And we're gonna sign out now. Goodbye. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> listening to they must be destroyed on site for our other episodes links to daniel paul and lee's other stuff and links to some great podcasts of similar interest visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com there you can leave us comments on the site or directly email us We listen and respond to everything thank you drive through